0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Over the Cap podcast. It is December 23rd, 2023, and this is Jason Fitzgerald. You can find me on x at jason underscore OTC, uh, or you can email me jason at overthecap.com, um, or you can check us out on YouTube, which I think is just Over the Cap. i got to check to see if that's uh, that's what I have that channel at, but I, I think that's um, what we have that one at. I know I have my personal one, too, and I kind of get mixed up between the two, um, but I think that's what we have uh, that one at which is primarily gonna be the podcast, just in video format, if you want to follow along <clears throat> with some of the numbers um, that we kind of discussed during the podcast, sometimes it's a little bit easier to do um, on the video side. And every now and then we'll put down put some other things up there with uh, certain kind of contracts or, you know, just some interesting stuff if I get a chance to do that. Um, not exactly the most set schedule, as you could guess, just based on the, uh, the podcast schedule. It's been a little bit of time since I've been able to uh, record one of these for you guys. Uh, Hopefully I'll be on a little bit more regular schedule right now. Um, last couple weeks have just been a little bit busy. Uh, some of it with just some stuff to do at home and some of the things with the kids and relatives and stuff coming over. Uh, but we also, I, I've picked up a couple different little projects here and there, um, football related kind of stuff that has kind of been on a little bit of a time crunch. So I've been finishing those up and more stuff might pop up, I, I guess, when it comes to that. But um I should get a little bit more free time, I think, with uh, with that kind of stuff kind of finishing up. And certainly that'll finish up the um, first, second week of the new year. So, you know, by that point in time, when everyone is really looking forward to free agency, we can kind of dive into some stuff there. Uh, as usual, I am joined by Nellie the Bunny. Nellie, anything? Nellie looks like she's asleep, so uh, I don't think we have anything from Nellie at the moment. Uh, Beer of the Week this week. I think the last time I was doing light stuff, so we're, we're done with that. Maybe that'll come back again. Um, we've got the Southern Tier 2 Xmas Beer. If anyone wants to see this, this is their uh, holiday seasonal that they have. Um, this is probably my favorite of like the holiday beers. Um, bought this a couple years ago. Didn't think I was going to like it. I was like, eh, I'll just try it out and see. And I loved it. And it's one of these, I look forward to it every year. Uh, the negative is it always seems to be in pretty, pretty limited supply. So it's not something that I can find a lot. So a lot of times it just kind of, You know, I don't get it during the season. So whenever I see it, I'll usually pick it up. And that's what happened with this. Um, You know, I actually picked this up a couple of weeks ago. Um, And I did have a couple. And then I found another six-pack, too. So I was able to get at least a little bit of it. Uh, But usually this one's in short supply. But I think this is a favorite of mine. Um, There was one drink that I had last year at Epcot when we went down there for um, Christmas and New Year's that was really good, too. I forget what that one exactly was. I don't remember if that was from... I I I actually can't remember uh, which brewery that was uh, that was from, but that that was really good too. Um, So anyway, so that's what we're uh, going with tonight uh, for this podcast. We'll see how long this podcast goes on for. Um, Probably not too long. Uh, I don't think too many questions. You know, I know I put it on Twitter. It was kind of a last second thing that I even decided to do it. I didn't really feel like watching the football games, so I know people are watching those tonight, and so that's going to take up most people's thoughts, I I think, on this. So, um, you know, since uh, I'm sure some people don't make it to the end, I'll just wish everybody a happy holiday season, a Merry Christmas, and hopefully I'll do something next year before New Year's, but if not, we'll get a a little Happy New Year's in there as well to uh, everybody. So, I think the first thing that I really wanted to look at here was just salary cap updates for 2024. So... Um, this was an article that I published, uh, just a couple of days ago. I I think it was Friday. So just yesterday, actually, where I started to tweet out numbers based on, um, you know, salary cap for next year. And the comments you get back from some of the stuff is weird. I should pop it up on Twitter and, you know, just see where people get upset when you mention like the saints. It's like, oh, you say this every year that they're in trouble. Well, every year they are in trouble. Um, you know, everybody gets under the cap. It's not like nobody gets under it. We, we map out the ways for them to do it. It's just that you look at, you know, if there's a bleakness scale, it's like they broke the bleakness scale this year. But anyway, you know, people come up and like, well, why don't the numbers match the website? Other people will bring up things like, oh, this is where where he's getting the numbers from. They don't match. It's like, it's my website. They're my numbers. They match. If you read the, the tweets themselves or the posts, whatever they're called nowadays... Um, if you look at it what we're doing is we're taking the roster and we're bringing it to 51 players you know right now there's certain teams that have 38 players there's certain teams that might have 48 players it's not an even playing field we have 51 players that count towards the salary cap almost every single team in the league will get to 51 players uh within a week uh yeah probably within about a week of the season ending um as soon as their season ends typically what they do is they take all the players that are on their practice squad and they'll sign those players to what are called futures deals and typically, they're for the minimum salary. So for the sake of argument, what I do is I take every player and we bring them up to 51. And we just put in the minimum salary, which for next year is $795,000. So, you know, th- those numbers are pretty big. They add up very quickly because the minimum salaries for uh, players in the league just keeps going up and up and up and up. You know, th- it's a lot different than um, than before when you, you were looking at stuff that was probably about, um, you know, Four hundred and twenty thousand dollars for the minimum salary. So you know you you factor those all in. Now some teams don't get to fifty one, like a team like the Saints this offseason won't. Well, when the Falcons were at their worst, the Falcons didn't get to fifty one. The Falcons had to basically keep their roster low until the summer. Um, you know when they when they could start to make some moves, um, they they were able to keep those to keep that down. But it, it's all cap related issues. But eventually you're going to get to fifty one. So. When we do that, all we're doing is we're we're putting um, all the teams on kind of a level playing field. So that was really the first thing that we looked at here. And if you look at this table, um, that's really where we, we come up with what's called projected cap space uh, for each team. So you see, I don't have these in order here. They're they're by overall cap potential, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, you know, but you can see like the Commanders at 74 million, the Patriots at 70, the Titans at 75, six and you know, that, that's a different number um, than what you're going to see on the website. And, you know, again, the reason for that is that 51-player thing. Um, you know, let me just... I can pull it up. Let me see if it'll open up easy enough. And I'll pull up the regular salary cap charts. Um, you know, 2024, you can see the commanders have 81 million, only 42 players. So that's where we get our differential that drops from 81.7 million to... What did I say the Commanders were? 74.5? 74, 74.6. Um, you know, that's where we get that differential. And that's that's where those numbers come from and why those numbers are different um, with where we look at them. Now, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast that we dropped the numbers down to $242 million, um, on the salary cap. I've been told by a lot of people that it was going to be way lower than my original expectations. I don't know how that could be, Um it means, to me, that looks like the, the NFL is really slowly bringing along the um, TV money. Um, and maybe there's uh, just some lingering COVID stuff that's still out there. Uh, and so what they're doing is they're preventing a spike. I read somewhere, was it Rappaport? I, I don't even remember who it was. They claimed the union didn't want a big spike because all the all the players would only get money. And eat. Like, that just doesn't even make sense. I, I don't even know who said it. If that's what the union said, that doesn't even make sense. Um, if you get a big spike in the cap and you get players that make a bunch of money, you know, just, you know I'll just throw a name out there. Uh, you know, he's coming off injury, so it's not going to happen. But let's just say because the salary cap rose so much, someone gave Kirk Cousins $60 million to play football next year. Don't you think that even though the cap growth would slow down after that to say, 20 million a year, 15 million a year instead of the one year jump at 30 million, that the next quarterback whoever is up um, Dak Prescott would look at Kirk Cousins at 60 million and be like um I should be getting about 68, 70. Like it helps everybody. It has nothing to do with the cap jumping and being like, "Oh, well it's only this group of free agents that's going to be bene- that's going to benefit from it." Like if that really came from the union as a honest reason for what they're hoping for with uh, the way the cap comes in and saying well we want those numbers to kind of be massaged so everybody you know can kind of benefit equally over time like that that's stupid you know the the biggest benefits that have ever come to the players which is why the NFL changes and I know I'm getting way off topic here but um, the biggest changes that ever came, really were those couple of years in those early, early CBAs when it was still a little bit Wild West with the way that they were doing stuff and you were having to negotiate a new CBA every couple of years. It was in the year that the new CBA was negotiated, usually the salary cap jumped a lot. And the big one was the change from 2005 to 2006, if I remember right. If it wasn't five to six, it was six to seven. Uh, But I think it was 2005 to 2006. It was because they changed the formula. The owners opted out of that deal so quickly Um, because of that. But the big jump was that one year. After that, it was basically steady. You know, we got steady increases after that of, at the time, maybe it was $7 million a year. But that 2005 to 2006 jump, and I'm too lazy to look it up, but let's say it was $15 million or $20 million, which was gigantic at that time, just absolutely gigantic. And those players benefited from it, and so did everybody else. Because you couldn't negotiate contracts with the players where it was like, well, yeah, we paid these guys this. Well, that's because the salary cap grew so much. Now it's not really growing that much. So that market doesn't count. Like, that, that's just nonsense. You want the cap to be as high as possible. And if it jumps all up in one year and then it levels out, so be it. You know, you, the damage has already been done to the market, which impacts every single team. So anyway, back to this, um, you know, the, the other comments that you get about the salary cap situations for all these teams, um, you you get the comments about, oh, well, you're not including the fact that this guy is released and this guy is released. Look, I'm putting together a post on Twitter, all right, or on X, right, or I'm putting together even even just a post on the website I'm not going to sit there and go through 32 teams and make my determinations as to what's going to happen. Now, Nick did something like that a little while ago where he started looking at some, you know, likely players who are going to get caught. And there's different ways that we can and can't do that. But, you know, you're, you're just trying to paint the picture of this is where they're at. So let's see where you go from here. So what I wanted to do with this post that I put up on OTC and what I'll talk about here is flexibility the teams have. And you basically have two avenues for flexibility. There is a third, but the main two avenues are releasing players, restructuring contracts for cap relief. The other one is extensions. Um, mainly, mainly for where we we're talking about extensions, that's getting into players that have void years on their contracts. Um, you know, like Tom Brady, for example, the other year, uh, you know, when his contract voided out, it left Tampa Bay with like a thirty million dollar cap charge. Had they extended him, they would have lowered that number significantly because they would have been adding a season on and they would have been deferring that dead money from accelerating, um, you know, into the current league year. So you know that that's that's that one other avenue, but I didn't really want to touch that. That really only applies to a handful of players, handful of teams., um, and I think that that's getting a little too deep in the weeds with it. So, the first thing that I wanted to look at was what can you save by releasing players. So, basically what I did is I went through every single team, calculated the dead money for those players, what it would cost, what that number was relative to their salary cap, and if the player saved at least a million dollars in net cap space, meaning, remember, when we cut them, we got to keep our roster at 51. So, if I cut this player and he saves a million dollars, I say, oh, okay, great, he saves a million dollars. I got to replace him with someone that's making 7.95, so the net savings there, you know, are very small. It's only like two hundred thousand dollars, so I would say, oh, all right, we're not going to count that guy. So one million dollars in net savings is what we're looking at, and you can see the team that's going to have the most flexibility with cutting players is the Chargers. Um, so if you, say if you see, if you're following along on YouTube, you can see it. Uh, if not, just take my word for it. Um, if they have nine players that have at least a million dollars in savings, if they cut them, that would add up to about a $102 million in salary cap savings. Uh, the Steelers are number two. They're at 95-4. Uh, for the Steelers, this is mainly because they don't do paragraph five salary guarantees, so they don't have to worry about guarantees. Um, they do big signing bonuses, obviously, but uh, you know a lot of those are running towards the end because the Steelers hold on to some players for a pretty long time. So they do have flexibility to release. Denver has uh, about $67 million they could create. Um, if they released everybody, that includes... Uh, that might not. Uh, does it include Wilson? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember if that includes Wilson or not. Um, I don't think so. I don't think they save anything with his release. Um, you know, so they, they could really turn their roster over if they wanted to. Seattle, that's another team that could turn the roster over. Now, in Denver's case... Um, Denver's reason that they can turn the roster over is they kind of went on more of a spending spree a couple of years ago. And now they, they did some deals this year too, but those deals that predated Payton are kind of running out on the guarantees. So at this point, you're just at the prorated money and they do a pretty good job, I think, with the way they manage their cap and the, the way that they manage their contracts. You can argue about some of those guarantees and obviously the Wilson deal, but um, you know the, the way that they actually manage everything is actually pretty solid. Seattle, Seattle doesn't do future guarantees. People don't really pay attention to that. Seattle does injury-only guarantees beyond the first year, but they vest. And their vesting dates always come in February. So they don't have guaranteed salary to uh, worry about. They just have, um, you know, your prorated money to worry about. And I, and they're not a team that really restructures too heavy. So they have about $60.8 that they could save. Jacksonville, fifty seven point five. Why is Jacksonville so high? Well, their spending spree was two years ago. Most players in the NFL, their guarantees will run for two years. So basically, all of the free agents they signed two years ago, they can filter out. Um, when you look at it that way, and you look at a team like Jacksonville, this is one of the examples of why when you do get a rookie quarterback, if you want to, um, and you know all your stars align, and this really pertains to a team like Chicago this year, if they, they do go and draft a quarterback. When you've got all this cap space, you can go in there, And you can surround that rookie with players as good as you can find in free agency. You're going to be locked into those players for two years. They probably aren't going to give you a great benefit the first year if you have a rookie quarterback. All you're trying to do is kind of insulate that rookie from being in a situation like Carolina, where, you know, it's a one or a two win football team. So you're just trying to prevent... That kind of negativity from creeping in. Now, I'm not saying that Carolina. The the reason there is that the team is bad because the team itself, their defense really hasn't isn't awful. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at the players on the team, um, you know, I I don't think it's awful. I just think they took a weird path of how to you know go anywhere with it. But you know, with Jacksonville, you know, it's an example of how you can have a good group of free agents for his rookie year and his second year. And in the second year, you can actually compete. And then you kind of pick and choose after that second year which free agents you still want to hold on to, which ones you want to get rid of. And you're going to create a lot of cap room in getting rid of those players. And it gives you that second opportunity to go into free agency and kind of try to you know fill all those holes as you're in the middle of kind of making a playoff run. Um, other teams that have the ability to cut some guys, the Colts, Patriots, uh, it's just a, a numbers game. They have 14 guys they could cut. That's huge. Uh Bills at 11. Uh Bengals could have 9. You know, they, these are all teams in the the 40 million dollar range. And then you get down to the teams with no flexibility. The Rams, 8.3, and why the Rams have no flexibility? Well, they've cut most of their guys. And the couple of guys that they didn't cut, well, they're uncuttable. Uh, the Saints—they only have four guys they could release with that kind of positive cap savings would only save nine million bucks on the cap, so they're in a bad spot. Cowboys ten point three, similar spot, right? They—they they have a lot of prorated money in those deals, a lot of guarantees in some of the contracts that were recently signed. You're not going to get rid of those players. Texans can only create eleven point seven. That probably has more to do with the state of their roster um, than anything else. They, they just, you know, it's a lot of young guys that are on there, the veterans that are on there on short-term deals, so just not a lot of guys you can release. Buccaneers, kind of similar. Uh, so they're at 12-4. Eagles can only create 14-9. Uh, then you have the Panthers can only create 16, Titans 16, Giants 17. You know, th- th- these are teams with a lot of one and two-year deals and um players on expiring so players on expiring contracts, if it's a one-year deal. Um, you know, and if it's longer term deals, they're, they're deals that were signed recently. And so you can't get rid of those players. Um, so that, that's the first thing that we look at. Second thing that we look at, we look at is what's our restructure potential. So what I did with the restructures is I took every single player that had enough years in the, in the league to be restructured, uh, where again, it would be meaningful. So if you were a drafted player, it was only for the class that would actually be on an option year in 2024, because those salaries are pretty high. You know, you're not usually going to renegotiate a player's um, salary in the fourth year. It's, you know, it's really just the roster bonus um, that you're going to restructure at that point. And I think a lot of times the players, you know, it it, it almost just becomes like a a kind of a pointless exercise to do that. Um, You know, if you're in a really bad position, maybe you would do it. But most of the time, it's just those option-year ones. Other than that, we're looking at veterans. So I looked at two things. We reduced their salary to the minimum. We add enough void years in there to where we can prorate over five years, okay? So we, we put everybody in the same position. This is the maximum you can create. doesn't mean that teams are going to do that. You know, there's some teams that are very against void years. Um, we're saying, okay, let's add all the void years in that we possibly can to maximize what we can do to create cap room, okay? So that's what we did with these players. Did the same with the roster bonuses. I didn't look at converting workout bonuses and per-game bonuses, majority of teams don't do that usually the numbers are so small it really doesn't change much Um, so it was really those two spots that I looked at again it was the same thing if we had savings of 1 million in this case there's no net it's just 1 million in savings uh, we included them so here is where you get the Saints to have the ability to create a lot of cap room Um, they can uh, save 127.9 million dollars if they restructure 20 players on their roster that doesn't mean they're going to have $128 million in cap space. I'll get to that one in a minute. Um, but they can open up 128. The Dolphins can open up about 127. The 49ers can open up 111. The Broncos, 106. So the Broncos, to me, are a team that's going to have to decide, do we cut or do we restructure? You're probably not even going to do a combination. You know, I think with this team, it's it's a very strict one one way or the other. Um, you know, for what you're going to do. Pittsburgh, a lot of flexibility here. They could open up 106. Uh, I'd ex- I'm would i not sure if they'll really do much anything. anything. Um, they're kind of in a weird spot, I think, right now. Uh, they like to hold on to their guys. Uh, they do restructure, but I, they're not going to go into free agency and sign a bunch of players. Bills could open up 103. They're going to have a lot of decisions to make chargers. So here's another team. Um, it's going to be, you know... Which path do you go? Do you cut or do you keep and restructure? Um, you know, you can create up to $103 million through restructures. Now, this overlaps a lot of their guys that you could uh, cut. They give you all those cap savings. So, you know, they, they have to make that decision. Which route are they going to go? Dallas, uh, they can open up $90.7 million. So, you go through these teams and then you go to the teams that don't have a lot of flexibility. The Eagles, they can only open up about 30 Why are the Eagles so low on this list? Um the reason the Eagles are so low is because the Eagles have done their restructures already. The Eagles basically put option bonuses in every team in a, every player's contracts. So their salaries are already there down at the minimum um you know with those bonuses built in. The Eagles can opt out of that, but you know for our purposes we put them in there. The Patriots only have 9 players at about 38 million. Titans 5 players 45. Texans 9 players 47. Um, You know, this gets back to what we talked about before. Not a lot of players to cut. Not a lot of players to restructure. It's just the status of their rosters as they're kind of rebuilding franchises. Um, Washington at 53 because they don't really have that infrastructure of players that are there. So when you come down to the last table, if you're uh, watching on YouTube or if you just want to go to the website and you just check out the article there... I'm sure before the games tomorrow, if I have time, uh, I'm not exactly sure what my morning schedule is looking like. Uh, But if I have time, I'll probably post, uh, I'll definitely post a link to the article again. Um, But, you know, I'll put some of these things in in format on Twitter. But what I did is I I looked at the three scenarios for the teams. So here we have at the top, the Colts. Uh, The projected cap space, as is, is 66.1 million. Oh, and I I forgot to mention before, uh, that does include the estimated carryover at the moment. Uh, People were asking about that. It does include it. if they cut those all those players that we mentioned uh, they would have about 119.8 million in cap room if they didn't cut anybody but they did all the restructures that were listed up there they would have 132.5 million in cap room so i call their overall cap potential which is just kind of like if i was to look at them and say okay you know on average you know we would expect them to to make some moves i would look at this team and say okay they could probably have 106.1 million dollars in cap room this year like that might make some logical sense to to treat them like that. Uh, Washington would be number two at just under a hundred million. Uh, the Patriots are just under a hundred million, uh, just a little bit behind Washington. The Titans would be at ninety six million. The Bears at ninety five million. Bengals at ninety one. Steelers at eighty seven. Cardinals eighty three. Texans eighty three. Um, then you get down on the low end and. You know, for these teams, like the Saints, so the Saints are 93.6 million projected over the cap when we get to a 51-man roster. Uh, we mentioned there's nothing to save by cuts. They would still be 84 million over the salary cap. So the next thing that we look at is all those restructures. You know, you got to restructure everybody on your roster, so you're running everybody back on a team that's probably a losing team. Um you know, to, to open up $120 million or so in cap room, that's what you're deferring to the future, right? All that money you save goes to the future. Uh, you're only going to be at about $34.3 million in cap room. So, you know, I looked at that and said, okay, well, average scenario on this is I'm just going to look at that one category. Let's call it like 40% of that or something. So I looked at their position as, on average, I'd look at them as a team that has like $14 million in cap room to use. Um, You know, maybe you could have a little more, maybe a little less, but, um, you know, that's where you would be. And, you know, this is why I saw Florio put out a, you know, he's put out a lot of things recently um, that are just real, real, real speculative. But, uh, you know, would they get rid of Derek Carr, you know, to, to avoid a $10 million guarantee kicking in in 2025? And... Um, some other things. You look at Derek Carr's contract, I just don't think it's possible. They lose seventeen million in cap room, and you couldn't trade him until after the season begins. They need him as part of these restructures to get the 34 um, you know, in there. So I actually don't know if there's a scenario by which they could carry him at his full cap hit just to trade him. Um or carry him at his full cap hit and then cut him. Like I I don't think they could do that. You know, I, I guess what you would have to do, since you guaranteed the money anyway, I guess you would pay out his salary next year as a bonus now, like in week 17, week 18. And then you could June 1 him the next year. Um, that would probably work. That's the only way I think they could do that. Uh, anyway, I had the Bills is the second worst at 277 7 Yeah, they're going to have a lot of real interesting decisions to make. I think the Bills have run these things wrong the last couple of years, uh, really the last two years. Um, But, you know, they're they're still fighting, and they're they're a better team than the record says, so maybe they'll get somewhere. Dallas at about 29. They don't really have a lot of flexibility here. Uh, Dolphins, 30. Now, I think the Dolphins will come in over this. I think when you you look at this chart and you say, well, the Dolphins, with all these restructures, could get to 75 I think the Dolphins will try to get to 75. And I think the Dolphins are going to put everything into next year. Uh, the Eagles at um, 36. Packers at 36. Ravens at 38 million. Browns at 42. Browns fall into the same category as the Eagles. They've already kind of pre-done most of their stuff. And then you have the Jets could get to about 45. Um, and the Chargers I have at 50. So the the Chargers is very different than their, their you know position right now, which is about 53 over, because they do have so much flexibility that I would look at them, even though that number on a piece of paper is really bad, and say, all right, you know, this is probably somewhere in the ballpark of like the the 10th worst cap position in the league. It's not really the second worst. Um, It's probably somewhere about the 10th. So that's what we have as we kind of look towards next year um, you know, as, as we look into cap room that teams have and, you know, the kind of moves that they may have to make with their rosters, um, to be able to function, you know, in the off season and, you know, sign players trying to improve. And sorry about the noises here. The, this chair is on its last leg. So I did get a new chair. I keep meaning to put it together. I'm afraid Jacob will ruin the chair. <laughs> so I'm just trying to, to finish out on the, this one that's pretty messed up and it's, uh, it's pretty squeaky right now, uh, um, so sorry about that coming in the background here. Um, so maybe I can try to sit still a little bit more, and uh, that'll prevent that from happening. Maybe. Um, anyway, the uh, you know that that that's just the state of that. So you know the one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit was just kind of looking at free agency for next year. But looking at these numbers, I think one of the things that I want to just go over very briefly here are just some of the jobs that might be open next year. And I think the main ones that we look at as probably being open next year, um, you know, as we go up and down this list, I think you've got the Chargers, obviously, you know, they just fired their coach, Um, you know, and so the Chargers are an interesting job. The Chargers basically have a player and that's about it. Like they don't have a lot of young guys who are like, ready to come in and contribute. Uh, They've maybe made a couple too many trades. They've definitely put um, too much into this roster uh, financially. Uh, They've put in way too much into this specific season. And, you know, it's a a job where you're probably going to have to go in there and, you know, the normal path would really be to tear that team down and try to build something around Herbert, who's now on a veteran contract. Um, you know, you, you're, your proper path is to probably find a way to trade Mac, trade Joey Bosa, um, probably trade Keenan Allen. But then you've also got to manage, you know, Herbert at that point because, you know, that while there has not been any indications, I think that he's, um, you know, would be upset with anything or anything else. You can see the criticism already starting to come down on him that he's not a winner. They don't, he doesn't carry him to the playoffs. He doesn't really belong in the, the category with these other guys because, um, you know, he's not good enough. Who cares if he throws a pretty pass every now and then, um, you know, he's not leading them anywhere. And, you know, if you start tearing things down, you might get to a situation where your only talent you really have on that team wants a trade. Um, you know, So it's a real interesting job. Um, I would look at it as a pretty poor one because of that. You know, I look at this as like I have to rebuild around a guy who's going to get a ton of criticism because we're going to lose next year and maybe even the year after that. Um, And he might get upset. You know, if I trade Keenan Allen away or I have to cut Keenan Allen for salary cap purposes, you know, Keenan Allen's great. He's terrific. He's probably not going to play 17 games. And at some point, you've, you've got to find a way to develop younger guys to be there. You know, I'm going to cut Mike Williams. You know, maybe you bring him back on a pay, on a big major pay cut because he's coming off an injury. But that contract ended up being a da- disaster for you. So, you know, I, I I just don't see like a real bright light there. And the other thing that's that's a real negative is I think while some people are starting to blame Herbert there, a lot of blame obviously goes on the coach. And when you get to the point where people start saying that the reason that they're losing is because of the coach, the expectation is, well, if we change coaches, we will win, right? Or if we change general managers, we will win. This is exactly what happened in Minnesota. Minnesota was very much in a position where they needed to reboot or whatever. And Minnesota is not bad. But Minnesota has basically stayed the course and I know they made the playoffs last year and everything else, but they basically stayed the course of being okay. And I am sure that general manager went into that with the expectation originally, or maybe a thought like, well, you know, if it was up to me, I'd probably want to restart this whole thing, you know, and start this process of, you know, moving on from certain guys and building around, um, you know, a couple of these young players we have and everything else. But the expectation is that the coach and to some extent the general manager screwed things up, and that's why you weren't getting you know to that consistent ten win level eleven win level, and you end up having to change what you you think might be the best long term course of action to maybe please your ownership in the short term um you know, and I think the chargers could be in that situation where. You know, it's almost like you're going to be tasked with win now. And it's like, man, I've got these guys in their 30s with salary cap hits of like $35 million. I've got pass rusher who can't stay healthy. I've got, you know, wide receiver that doesn't stay healthy. I've got another wide receiver, you know, who might be breaking down. You know, I've got a running back who can't run anymore. Uh, We can't block. Like, I don't know what you're you're going to look at with that team and say, like, oh, yeah, this is a real positive scenario. So, you know, maybe if Bill Belichick goes from uh, New England, maybe this is the kind of team Belichick can come to because maybe he can, you know, wave that magic Belichick rings, wand, whatever you want to call it, and, <clears throat> you know, attract some veteran players because you know that Belichick... um from a system perspective can, can very quickly get you a functional defense. They'll get you a good defense. Um, and he'll do it on the cheap. So he'll do it within your salary cap constraints you have. And he'll have the quarterback there. He's just got to find a couple of guys that he, you can buy in on wide receiver. I don't know with Belichick. The the other thing is like, you don't want to give him GM responsibilities. They've been bad in New England the last couple of years. So, you know, you, you really don't want to give him that. Um, you know, so it, it's a... I, I wouldn't call it a good job opening at all. I I, I think it, it has potential to be a disastrous job opening. Um, let me just move up my chart here. We got the Panthers. Um, this is only a good job opening if you are very high on the quarterback and you think somehow that... You know Frank Reich was just not into doing the job. That you know he took the job, but really didn't want to do it. Like he took it to take a job. Um, that's the only way that you would look at this as a positive. This is a team that doesn't have draft picks, right? You've you've traded away your number one this year to Chicago. You've traded away your second round pick um, to Chicago next year. You. Um, you don't have a great cap situation. Now You're out of the disaster salary cap hole, but you're not in a great cap situation. You're like where Houston's been the last couple of years. Like you've got yourself probably $30 million, $40 million. I have them here at 60 if they really went all crazy with the restructures and stuff like that. Let's say they get to $50 million in cap room. They have a ton of free agents. They got older this year rather than younger. Um, That was probably a coaching decision kind of thing. Uh, So... You know, that's a pretty bleak one, too. You know, you're not going to be able to, to attract free agents. You're not going to be able to go after probably a lot of free agents. You're just going to be piecing your roster together. And if the quarterback stinks, you know, year three, you're basically going to be like the Jets. Um, you know, just chasing. So, you know, I, I don't think that's a that's a good one either. Um, you know, unless, the, unless you really like the quarterback... Oh, you've got Atlanta. Um, Atlanta might open up. Atlanta, it's just they've done a, a poor job. I think with the the way they've approached the draft, um, they've done a poor job with having the quarterback. I think the, I think the coach needs a somewhat functional quarterback there. The way Detroit has a Jared Goff, he needs his version of Jared Goff um, to have a chance to be successful. I don't know if they're going to move on from him or not. Um, it's an interesting job opening if it opens up. They do have some talented guys. Um, I, I think the bloom is off on a couple of them, but they do have some talented players. They have good ownership, owners willing to spend. Um, that that won't be an intriguing job, I think, if it opened. You've got the Raiders. Um, so, you know, the Raiders, it's a team that has really no building blocks. You know, I don't consider Max Crosby, who's arguably the best defensive player in the league, I don't really consider that a building block. Um, You know that that's not really what you kind of build around. Um, They don't have a. It's not like they have a great unit, and he's making it. You know that much better. Um, You know, and it's you know he's just a really good player on a bad football team. Um, You know the Raiders. You've got a lot of salary cap space you have an owner who's cheap, you know, that that's a negative, but you do have a lot of salary cap space. Um, you know, your draft is maybe okay, but it's not a position to get a quarterback. You don't have a quarterback. You got too many old football players. You're going to see what you can get for Devonte Adams. Um, you know, you, you'll move on from some other guys. I, I, they cycle through coaches very quickly there. Um, that's not a good one either. Uh, and, you know, they, they may just uh, have Pierce and, um, you know, all those guys, they, they may just promote them and have them stick around. Steelers, they are what they are. Um, I don't know if Tomlin will go. He's a good coach. I don't know if he's right for Pittsburgh right now. I think the league has passed him by. Uh, I think, similar to Belichick, I think if you put him in the right situation, um, he's going to win. You know, and To be honest, you know, getting to nine wins with a team like Pittsburgh this year is almost like a miracle. Um, But, you know, I I don't think that I I don't think he's in a position where he's ever going to take a team to like that next step. Uh, You know, unless they have that that kind of infrastructure in place, Um, you know, now they might have that in the with the Chargers as well. Um, you know, I, I, think the thing with the Chargers is that, you know, if, if you had the team this year or the team that probably more the team they had last year, a coach like Tomlin probably would have gotten pretty far with them. You know, he's not going to have those stupid games that they, they completely blow or they do something dumb and then they, you know, they, it comes back to bite them. He's not going to do that. Like you're going to be favored. You're going to win. Um, you know, is he going to upset the teams? Maybe not. But, you know, you're favored to win. You're probably going to win. And at least at a regular season level, you're going to get pretty far. You're going to get past a wild card game. Um, might even get past a divisional game. You know, anything can happen. Right? Um, you know, and if you bring in the right talent, that's going to get you to the next level. I don't know if, he's gonna, if he can kind of do the stuff on defense that um, Bill can. Because in Belichick's case, Belichick can do it with like a mercenary team, a team of cheap mercenaries. Um, Tomlin is more like a developmental, right? He, he been in Pittsburgh where the players are there for four. You draft a guy, he's going to be there for probably four years. You know, you sign a guy as a free agent. I know they're not a big free agent team, but you sign him to a contract for three years, he's probably going to be there two or three. So he has time to kind of mold a team, you know, to bring a team together. Um you Know, does a pretty good job managing all the different personalities and stuff. And I know there's been some ups and downs with Pickens there. Um, but you know, I think that'll be interesting. Uh, in terms of a job, I mean, it's a great job because you got a lot of stability. You know, Pittsburgh's not going to turn around and fire you in two years. Um, but you know, you, you're replacing someone who should be considered like a legendary coach. Um, he's had a great run that's there, they always win. Um, and that might change when you bring in someone new. You know, you bring in someone new there, they're going to have the potential to do better. They're also going to have a much higher potential to probably be significantly worse. Um, Chicago, I don't know if that one's going to open up. That's a, that's a good job opening if it does, but they have to make a decision at that quarterback thing. And I think they'd be insane to um, keep Justin Fields over draft pick. Um, You know, I I would not be against keeping Justin Fields and a draft pick. You know, you you control Justin Fields' rights. You know, uh, yeah, will he be upset? Sure. But, um, you know, he's got an option year. You know, he's got his next year, right? It's his fourth year. Then he's got an option. Then you can do two tags. So you still have time to see if he can be the solution. There's nothing I think you learned this year that you didn't know last year about him as a football player, you know, may, maybe there's some other things that the coaching staff or the front office saw that they like more about him, um, you know, after he was another year in the system. Uh, but you know, just in, in terms of football stuff, I, I don't really see a difference. Um, Titans, I don't know what they'll do. They, I don't think Vrabel and um, Ran are really, you know, on the same wavelength. To me, Rabel belongs probably as the coach of New England. Um, You know, and Carthon probably wants to bring in someone, um, you know, just different style. You know, I I think you're you're looking to bring in something more like what you would see in San Francisco. Um, So, you know, that'll be interesting. Patriots. You're replacing Belichick. You've got no quarterback. You're going to draft a quarterback. You got a ton of cap room. You got what's been very cheap ownership, unless you want to blame it on Bill. Um, they basically have spent once in the last couple of years. Um, I don't know how much that's going to change. It, to me, that that's a big hill to climb. Um, I think New England has to be, it's got to be an inside job. You know, I I think the only way you survive that job at all is if you're like a former player, um, you know, who's been there, whether that's Vrabel, Mayo, whomever, you know, that is, I think that's the kind of coach that has to come in there because New England's a project, Um, you know, now if they can get that quarterback with the number two pick, assuming they they pick number two, um, you know, you've got sky is the limit potential, right? Because you got that young quarterback and you can go that same bears route in terms of, you know, all the salary cap space you have or with the Jaguars, you know, that I mentioned before, Um, you do have that, but you've got nothing in place. Like you look at that roster, it's not good. And, you know, even if you want to say that they have a good defense, which they do, I think a lot of that disappears if you take Belichick out of the equation. That's probably another reason why you want to promote from within um, to where you're maintaining the same system and everything else. Uh, Washington, who knows? You know, I, I, you don't know what you're going to get with ownership there. Um, they're not in a great position with anything, um, you know, draft-wise. You know, they're, they're probably... I don't know if they're going to pick high enough to get a quarterback. Um, they need a quarterback. They probably need receivers. need an offensive line. You need a defense. I mean, their defense... You can't imagine how bad that defense is. Uh, in those numbers I keep, I think Washington allows teams to typically score about 45% more than they typically do. So it's going to be a test with the Jets, all right, to see what breaks here. But, you know, basically teams are just really loading up. Like your fantasy, you, you should be playing against, you, you're playing guys against Washington. Um, because teams are just far exceeding any kind of average expectation. The next worst team allows teams to score about 23% more. So that shows you how bad Washington has been um, with pretty much everything. So, you know, those are the uh, those are the jobs that are going to open up here. So, um, you know, the next thing I think I want to look at here... Let me pull this up. I pulled these here. So... This is going over uh, just a a little bit of a preview for free agency next year, um, where basically what what I wanted to do uh, is take a look at our valuations that we have for the players. Um, So this is just a main list of, this is all the free agents for next year. I'm sorry, I have this filtered to edge players. Let me just pull up all the positions. I have these sorted from lowest to highest on the value. So the OTC valuation is not a free agent valuation. Always tried to say that it's not. It's an attempt to basically look at all the contracts that are in the league. This was during a period of time. all right. And I've adjusted um, through the years to, to kind of try to make it fit where the markets go. But you know, basically it's set up to say, okay, this is where all the contracts are within the market. We've got all these players that earn money that don't do a thing, so, you know, that that kind of gets factored in there as well. Um, what if we took all of the money that's in there at these various positions and we basically said, okay, this is what the players would be worth if it was just an open bidding system for the players. But, you know, it's an open bidding system, but we, we can't really change significantly our overall way that we spend. now. The numbers, in a sense, they they come out higher on a team-wide perspective um, because we're giving a lot of players credit for not playing. Um, You know, and you're getting a lot of guys in the middle that are getting way higher values than they would typically get if they were free agents because the NFL really overvalues a lot of those top guys. So... You know this is just a way that we we take what players are doing statistically what they're doing through a uh grading process that comes from pro football focus and how much they're playing you know what the teams are trusting them with to play and we say okay within this market this is probably what the value of that player should be on an annual basis um you know, and again, like I said, it doesn't mean anything for free agency. Most of the time I would say that it's going to lowball you, specifically a quarterback it does. Um, but, you know, it it gives some context, I think, as to um, teams that are playing well, teams that aren't playing well. Um, you know, Troy put a graph up the other day. Mm, let me see if I can find it. Let's see. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, wait. He's, I'm looking up. i yeah, got Texas cap. I know I reposted it, so it's actually probably on my timeline. Let me see how much stuff he's got up there. I can dig it up really quick. Uh, basically, he put a chart together that was plotting... Um some of the numbers we had, you know, against uh EPA numbers. Let's see. As I try to dig it up here. I've done this with records. There's you know, they, they work out relatively well with it. Um I think this is it. So I'll just pull up here. This is um what is this one here? Okay, so this is uh, defensive players and the team's defensive EPA, I believe. Um, so you know if you see it, you can see it's a, it's a pretty reasonable cluster around there, um, you know, with the productivity that you you have on here. And the other one that he has was offense. This one is probably a little bit um, a little bit more in line with what you see with EPA. Now I think the reason for this, my guess, because I know I've done studies before on uh, records. I've done studies before on um, correlation with EPA. and Just some other different kind of statistics. And I think what it boils down to is the quarterback <laughs> just plays a massive role in what the offense can and can't do. And a lot of your value um, that's coming through evaluation on offense specifically is really going to be driven by the quarterback. So I think if you have that the numbers should be reasonable. And it, and I think, uh, you know, Troy's got a line that uh, runs through here, um, you know, if you want to see the graph. And, you know, some of these teams like Arizona, for example, I have a feeling that um, uh, Dobbs' numbers there, you know, you don't get included in Arizona because I've moved him to Minnesota. So Minnesota's number on the value would actually come down for quarterback. Arizona's would come up. And the, those are two of the bigger, you know, kind of outliers, I think, that are there. Um, you know, there's a couple others too, but you know, I, I think when you look at it, you know, that's what you get. With the, the defense is gonna be a little bit more random because I, I think with the defense you get into, you know, what positions bring value to the overall play of the defense. And I think that's one of the difficult things, right? Mm-hmm. That the the defense is not really relying on one person. This is why I get into that, you know, when I, I mentioned about Crosby with the Raiders and say it's not really a building block because it's like one guy and it's not like he's, you know, 22 years old, like a Micah Parsons or something. Um, you know, he's a couple of years in the league. It's not like he's gotten, you know, it's not like he's old. Um, you know, but you, you look at a lot of the guys, I think, defensively and what you, you have are defenses i think really get exposed by weak links i don't think offenses get exposed as much by weak links unless the weak link is the quarterback um there may be some situations where they do like if you have like a terrible group of wide receivers you know that that's going to hurt you right if you have um you know a team that's just four kadarius tonies that that's probably going to be a problem um you know despite how good your quarterback might be so i, I think you do have that that comes into play, um, you know, maybe on offense, but on defense, it's weak link kind of stuff. You know, it's like uh, last week. Now the Jets have a great secondary. All right. I'm not not complaining about Jets secondary, but just to bring up a a play, um, you know, that existed in there where, you know, you you basically had Jalen Waddle go off in that game. And Sauce Gardner, I don't even think got targeted, but DJ Reed got brutalized by Jalen Waddle, right? He, he, basically was behind him by like three steps on that big touchdown. Um, I'm assuming he gave up some of the other passing plays to him, but if not, it doesn't matter. Somebody else did. And the point on that is that Miami was able to move the ball with ease. Why? Because even though you have a great player in sauce Gardner, you had wink, weak links everywhere else on that defense. And, you know, you could get a lot of value from individual players. Um, you know, let, let's say you had a team um, that has a, a Sauce Gardner-type corner and at the same time has a Aaron Donald-type pass rusher. You know, something like that. Still, they're only going to impact so many plays. Like, Sauce Gardner is going to impact the six or seven plays you normally would target that wide receiver on. Now, that that's a lot, though. That's, that's an important part of the game. Um but, you know, it's probably like six plays. And, you know, because you typically spread the ball around anyway. So, you know, you, you just have to spread around a little bit more um, because you're playing against Sauce Gardner. And some of that times, too, you know, you can move away from him because of the style defense, Jets play. You can move the guy to the other side of the field. He's probably not traveling with him. Blah, 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 blah. You know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, your Aaron Donald. He's going he's gonna to get a lot of pressures, right? But you're not going to pressure the quarterback every single play. And even when you do pressure the quarterback, he's still probably going to complete 30 or 40% of those passes. So it's way down from where it would be normally. Um, but you still occasionally are going to get some positive plays on those pressures. And the other plays, it's just like, well, you know, you're relying on other guys. And if you don't have other guys that can do that, um, you know, you may have these couple of players who, you know, are high up there. And you may have players that maybe are highly ranked that don't really play important positions, like a linebacker or something like that. So they boost the value of your team. Uh, but the defensive performance sometimes isn't going to match that, I think, as much because, again, I think it's a weak link system. Um, and when teams target those weak links, they exploit you. And sometimes they can, you know, kind of beat up on you, even though you have good individual players that, um, you know, on a defense, um, you know, so I, I think that that's just one of the reasons why, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned that um, a little bit when you, you look at these things. But anyway, back to uh, these charts here, Let me just pull that up. So I just wanted to get a look at this and, you know, people have been asking a lot, you know, well, what are the positions of strength in free agency? And this at least gives us, I think, a good idea with the exception of, you know, you have some players that are, you know, low, low here, I'd have to look through to see who, um, you know, who have been hurt, you know, that might be good players, you know, you, you'll you see someone here, um, no one's jumping off the page at me here, but, you know, you, you might see somebody who's like a name player that's just been hurt all year, and, you know, because of that, his value is like 800000 like, you know, if Aaron Rodgers was a free agent, for example, Aaron Rodgers' value on OTC is probably like $1.3 um. You know, that's like the value of a couple of snaps, basically, at quarterback. Um, You know, the fact that he played is worth a million dollars or $800,000. Obviously, he would be worth a ton more than that as a free agent. So, you know, there there are some players that are going to fall through the cracks because they've been hurt. Um, But again, I I think this will give you a pretty decent idea as to what might be the good positions and what might not be the good positions. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit, and then we'll get into the couple of questions that I think we got. Okay, so I think what I want to look at here first is going through each position, and what I did was I calculated the average that we had uh, for the top top five players, top six through ten, eleven through fifteen, and sixteen through twenty. So if we look at the values, the average for the edge is 22.7 million, so that's a pretty good group of players, um, or at least it's very top heavy with one or two guys. Uh quarterback 19.4, which is you know, on the it's actually probably for free agents on the high end for quarterbacks, but you know, when you think of where quarterbacks are, I'm not I'm not pegging these to where the the average of like the the market would be. You know, that's that's not great, right? Because our our average for a higher level quarterback is probably a starting point of like $40 million. So, you know, we're, we're half of that, whereas our edge rushers more or less are around 30 million. So 22 to 30, that's pretty good. Corner, you know, our top market's at 20. We have our average top five at 14.8. Pretty solid. Interior D-line, 14.7. Wide receivers, 14.4. Safeties, 12.4. Um, you know, that that's pretty good compared to where the market is, and that that's typical for safeties. Now, safety, this is a position where the valuation... Probably actually overshoots the market because there's so many safeties. Um, guys typically don't get paid that should, um, so you get a lot of value I think in those positions. Um, sorry, my camera's giving me some issues here. Let's see if I can fix that. Yeah, good enough. Um, linebacker 11.3, left tackle 8.9. That's pretty bad. Uh, guard 7.8. That's not good. Running back 7.7. That's actually fine for the position. Right tackle, 6.8. That's terrible. Tight end, 6.5 is what it is. Center, 5.5. Centers aren't a thing. So my first inclination when looking at this is if I need offensive line help, um, you know, my sad Jets, uh, not a good year um, from the looks of it. You know, you might be looking trade market more than anything else. Um, But there's other positions where you can probably improve. Um, But, you know, the... That's going to be a little bit trickier. You know, this might be one, and we'll get into the individual players in a minute. Um, these might be positions where you are kind of pigeonholed into one person. You know, you you just are going to focus on one guy, and you're going to have to, to get that player signed and, you know, figure out how to do it. Or you're going to have to go trade market. you know. And trades are getting to be more and more plentiful in the NFL, which is great. You know, it makes it more exciting. Um, players 6 through 10. Edge is at 12, interior D-line at 9-8, linebacker at 83, wide receiver 7-4, corner 6-8, safety 5-9, running back 5-1. So you can see a big drop here, but I thought what was interesting was I thought I would do a drop ranking. So this is what the value drops from saying, okay, I want one of these top players versus I'll wait maybe for that second wave of players. So linebacker to me is a position like, why would I pay up on it? It's a 27% drop in what we have as value for it. We know, especially on defense, now linebacker is probably a little steadier than some of the other positions, but we do know that there's a lot of fluctuation that goes on with defensive players. Um, So to me, 27% drop means that there's not a huge drop in talent that's available whether I'm looking at the top of the, the tippy top of the market or maybe a second level interior D line kind of falls in that same category. We dropped from a 14, seven to a 10 million. Uh, that's a 33% drop. I don't really care about running backs, tight end, 35% drop. Um, you know, right tackles low to begin with. So basically what we're saying is they're all backup players. You know, they're probably backup guys anyway. Um, you know, but edge, like, that's a major drop. We dropped 47% of the value going from 22 to 12. So you're going from a couple of starting quality players to more situational guys. Um, now, some of those guys might be pretty good. You know, Huff is probably in that range. Um, you know, because Huff's numbers are dinged significantly for something like this because he doesn't play a lot. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know how PFF grades him. I know his pressure numbers are going to be pretty good, so from a statistical standpoint, he probably should be okay. Um, you know, because he's really productive, even though he doesn't play a whole bunch. But, you know, as a aggregate, you know, look, it's probably gonna be down a little. Uh quarterback falls off a map. Um, they dropped down about 90%. Uh left tackle 70%, they were really going nowhere. And corner, you know, drops like 55%. So, you know, that that to me is a top heavy market. Same goes for safety, which drops down to six million. Um, you know, 52% drop. So it's a, you know, the, those are a little bit more top heavy positions. Uh, we look at positions ranked 11 through 15. Edge at 6'6", interior D line at 5'8", linebacker 5'7", safety 5'2". This all falls in line with the concept of you can build your defense via free agency, that you can always find depth, um, on defense and free agency, not necessarily on offense. So on offense, you know, wide receivers ranked fifth at 5 million average, um, corner 3-9. So it just tells me corner is just not a deep position this year. Guard, tight end, running back, quarterback, left tackle, right tackle, center as we drop down. Um, and then finally we get to positions 16 through 20. I have linebacker at number one, um, edge at number two, uh, you know, that's pure situational guys. When we're talking an edge at four million dollars, you know, that, that's a that's a fill in the gaps kind of guy. Nothing wrong with that. Just that's the type of player that is. Um interior D line, four million again. That's your situational run stuffer, probably type player. Um, safety at three six is you know, so so. Um wide receiver at three five is like a fourth. Um, you know, wide receiver on a team, a corner at three four. I mean, you you're getting deep into your packages. Where if that's, you know, where your value would be on that player, um, yeah, that's pretty far down. And again, we can look at those drops that go there, um, you know, from 11 to 15 to 16 through 20, you know, corner is kind of the same. So corner's big drop is really from your top five to six through 10. Then you have another big drop, 6, 10 to 11, 15, but 11 to 15, 16, 20, it's basically the same kind of players, um, you know, running back doesn't have as steep of a drop. Tight end doesn't. Linebacker doesn't. Guards don't. Um, you know, centers have a massive drop off. Uh, but th- there's not a lot of centers. So, I mean, that's a reason why. Um, you know, quarterbacks, your tackles. So, you know, that's just looking at that. Now, what I wanted to look at were, you know, your individual positions. Um, ooh, what did I do here? That little chart that's up. Um, let me filter my positions here so you know i mentioned in their edge as being a good one so let's pull up your edge players here pull them up on a chart so you can see your number one player if you're following along here is josh allen we have him at uh 33 million or so um you know he's top line pass rusher he's going to get franchise tag so he's not really going to be available uh Danelle hunter you know that's going to be an interesting one so his value is at 28 he's probably not going to cost that because he's older um, you know, and there's going to be a lot of question marks come with him, but just a highly productive player. Um, you know, so to me that, that's a real interesting name. Um, I think it's Van Ginkle should be here. I don't know if we've got all their players here. I feel like we're missing a name. Uh, let me see. Who am I missing here? Something seems off on my little thing here. Um. Something's off on where the names are on the charts. Oh, I must have dropped them under. So it's Van Ginkel is number three. Greenard is number four. Chase Young is number five. Brian Burns is number six. Now Burns is obviously going to go for a lot more money. He's probably going to get tagged. They made a massive mistake. They are not moving him. Now he hasn't had a great season. That whole team hasn't had a great season. Um, but he, he's a he's a good young player. So him and Chase Young are both real interesting. You know, th- this is where now, if you want to look, you can see Bryce Huff here at the uh nine million dollar range. If Bryce Huff played 70% of the snaps, he'd be at like twenty-five or twenty six, but he doesn't. He plays like thirty-five percent of the snaps for the team. Um you know, you got some veterans that are okay, Zedarius Smith, Leonard Floyd, Bud Dupree. Um, you know, those are those are name kind of guys. So, you know, you, you look at it very top heavy. So Allen probably tagged, you know, these other guys aren't big names, but they've been relatively productive this year. So, you know, that, that might be players that you can get decent value on because they may come in at these kind of valuations or lower. And, you know, if they can repeat and that's always hard, you know, that that's, we always talk about like we, we buy into like outlier seasons. Um, That's a bad thing to do. Uh, But, you know, It it just gives you an idea sometimes of, you know, what can or can't happen. Uh, Quarterback. Let's take a look at quarterback next. i got to imagine this is driven a lot by um, Mayfield. Yeah. So we have Mayfield at about 32, um, which is actually pretty good because for the most part, because of the way the quarterback position varies on here, our seasonal totals for quarterbacks... um, Now, this year, the play is down a little bit. But even in a normal year, on a seasonal basis, you're not going to get players coming in at $55 million. And the reason for that is it's just a weird market because you've got a bunch of guys who get paid nothing but give you a lot of production. So if we really balanced everything out, it's very hard for somebody to really be worth $50 million and keep the market kind of in any kind of uniformity to the to the real world um so those numbers get dinged down um simply because you know your rookie starting quarterback just by starting should be worth like 20 25 million so you know that 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 it it just screws up everything it's it's hard to to come up with a a way to make that my mind at least kind of make sense within the market I, i think it's a flawed market and that impacts the way that we kind of calculate these things so you've got here Mayfield number two would be Dobbs obviously he's not getting anywhere near that he's on the bench now um you know and he's been all over the place Gardner Minshew um you know that's a participation trophy you know I I shouldn't say that he's better than that um but you know he's at 20 million now he hasn't started all the games because you know the the rookie was there for a bunch of the games too um you know, but basically that's like your average fill-in kind of quarterback number that you would expect. Kirk Cousins, this is injury-related at 15. Ryan Tannehill, um, you know, is at 5'5". Five, five. Um, you know, Joey Flacco, he's there at 3'5". Um, not too bad considering he's hardly played. Um, but you can see it's very top-heavy, and really it's just Mayfield. And that'll be an interesting, um, you know, interesting one to see what Tampa Bay does there. I would guess they would tag him. I'm pretty sure they can. Um... You know, so that'll be an interesting one. Uh, corner, I think that was another position that looked good, right? So at corner, you know, you got Jalen Johnson, Kenny Moore, Jarius Sneed, Steven Nelson, and that's older player, Kendall Fuller. Um, you know, Witherspoon, this is where you get your drop now. You got Witherspoon, Gilmore, um, Miles Bryan, uh, Nixon, you know, and, and again, the, this is like where you get into, okay, you've got a couple of these guys at the top that can start, you know, Johnson's going to be the big one this year. Um, if the Bears don't tag him, I think they would, um, you know, and then then you just kind of get into the, okay, do we want to bring in like some veteran guys that we know can fill in the gaps? You know, do we want to bring in some guys that, um, you know, we can probably get on the cheap relative to potential production? Um. You know, but it's a, it's a top heavy, relatively top heavy position. Um, let's see, what else did we say was good? Linebacker. So linebacker, you've got Queen and Wagner way up top. You know, they, they value out in the mid thirteens, which is very good. Um, you know, the linebackers are, you know, whatever, um, yeah, and you could just got a lot of guys. Zach Cunningham, Frankie Louvu, Blake Cashman, Nicholas Morrow. You know, the, these are good players. You know, they're solid. Um, you know, you go down a level. you got guys like a, you know, Jewel. Um, a lot of the names are jumping over one another because we've got a lot of guys overlapped in here. Um, you know, I probably should just pull up the table and see. Um, you know, you got guys like a Jordan Hicks, Kent Murray, um, Dodson, you know, I mean, these are, these are guys that are, you know, solid enough football players and, you know, you, you can use them to fill out what is, you know, probably the, um, least impactful part of the defense. Um, you know, and do that, uh, interior defensive line. That was another position that was good. Right. So we got our IDL. So if we look up at our chart here. Uh, what do we got? We got Chris Jones up there, Christian Wilkins, Leonard William, Leonard Williams, free agent, Autry, Calais Campbell, Fletcher Cox, DJ Reader. You know, those are our veteran solid guys, you know, all in that 13 million range. Michael Pierce, he falls into that veteran range. Now that's a big drop there. Um, so, you know, you look at it, it's a nice group of players up top. You know, may, maybe it's not the uh, the sexiest group of, um, of names, you know, that, to where you get to the point where you're like, oh, you know, these these guys are like, you know, really killing it and all that. But, you know, a lot of very capable, good players. Um, you know, I, I have no idea what a player like a Leonard Williams is going to fetch, fetch as a free agent. I'd have to think about it. Um, you know, but I, my guess is relative to the production you can get from him, I think it might be low. Um, now, he may re-sign with Seattle, and Seattle will probably play, pay through the nose for him because he's got a lot of leverage there. Um, but, you know, that that's an example of, like, a solid player that you get into that third contract. Their value decreases a lot of times when you get to that, and you get a good player on a third contract. Um, you know, just some other positions, you know, just pull them up. Like, center, this is terrible. Lloyd Cushenberry I have as your number one, and then there's, like, nobody. Um... Yeah, that's just a disaster position. So you're going to be looking at the draft really there unless there's somebody who's been hurt. I don't care about fullbacks, guards. Zeitler, you know, he's he's older. Uh, Van Roten, I mean, he's a backup player. Um, you know, he, he's getting, I'm sure, participation more than anything else. Um, Simpson, Runyon, um, Glasgow is in there. I mean, he, these guys are, you know, they, they're... Fill in kind of player um, levels that you see there at guard. Um, let's look up left tackle, right tackle. Our salaries are getting pretty close there, so it's not a big deal. So you got Tyron Smith, who we have as the, the most valuable at about $16.5 million. Nobody's going to touch him. You know, it, it's going to be Dallas or bust for him. Um, you got to worry about injuries with him. You know, he's been in Dallas forever. I, I can't imagine him really even leaving there um you know uh Wanu, he's an interesting guy because he can I have not listed this as a tackle but he can play tackle, he can play guard. Um he's he may be the best guard available. Uh excuse me. If George Fant, you know, I mean he's a he's a backup, you know, kind of guy, you know, spot starter. He's a good. He's a good veteran swing tackle to have that you can probably get for a couple of million. So if he plays a lot like he has this year, you know, you, you're probably getting about 10 million out of him, which is you know when you think about it your your top tackles are paid around 20 so it's not awful um but you know that that just gives you an idea you know Jonah Williams it might be an interesting person Storm Norton I mean he just bounces around all the time so i mean it's it's just not a good group you have Trent Brown you know that that's a potential player um is his heart in football who knows um can he stay healthy who knows um you know, so that that's a that's a bad group. Um there anyone else I missed here? Quarterback, left tackle. Oh, running back. Oh, I'll do safety and wide receiver too. I forgot about them. Safety. Uh, I'm sorry, running back. So you got Derek Henry. Um, yeah, that's at nine nine. Tony Pollard, I have at eight nine. Saquon Barkley, I have at seven. Josh Jacobs, I have at six six. Um, Zach Moss, his number would be higher, um, you know, if he didn't have the the little, you know, that Taylor come back. Um, I mean, these are names. Would you really pay a lot for any of these guys? No. And their, their production probably decreases each and every year. Um, so, you know, you can get a name at running back. Um, the Jets got a name with Dalvin Cook <laughs> so I'll just I'll just give you that as a uh, a possibility alright so let's take a look at safety safety our little chart here we got Winfield uh, Gibson um, I can't even see what that is that my contacts are driving me nuts now if you're watching on video you see in the squinting uh, Blackwell McKinney you know you, you've got five good guys there um, Let me pull up a little chart there. Oh, Gino Stone. Okay. Um, Yeah, you got a Rudy Ford, Jordan Whitehead, you know, from the Jets, who's had a nice year, Cameron Curl, um, Jordan Fuller. So, I mean, there's solid players as you go down that list where you can find guys that you can plug into probably, like, a good defense or someone where you you need some, um, you know, to get some cost savings, but you can get somebody you can start, um, you know, and go from there. Uh, Tight end... Tight ends always kind of get overpaid. Um, you know, you got Dalton Schultz around 9. I doubt he's going to get paid that. Hunter Henry around 8. That's probably not happening. Noah Fant, 6. Eh. Gerald Everett, Adam Troutman. I mean, this is this is a nothing group. But you, you get down there. So, this is one of these years where that one's not going to be anything. And finally, we got wide receiver. So, let's pull this up. because uh, So... <sighs> This is going to depend on who does and doesn't get franchise tagged. So you've got Michael Pittman, who is a real intriguing free agent. Um, I, I've i said this before, and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Pittman, to me, is a number one on a team that has a suspect group, as my kids would say, sus, um, you know, group of wide receivers. Um, when he goes on to a team that you're know, you you're expecting more out of the passing offense, I don't know if he would fill that number one role maybe the way that you think he would, but I guess that's something you would see. Um, it's been more miss in free agency when we, we talk about signing players, but... You know, I think that would be a real interesting one if Indianapolis was to let him go. Now, if Indianapolis was to let him go, I mean that that would be a pretty bad sign for Indy. I mean, they have all that cap room we talked about. It's like if you're not going to resign him, like who are you resigning at that point? Um, but you know, I I I think that's an interesting one um, if he can get through the franchise process. Mike Evans, he's probably going to be a Jet if the Jets don't get Devontae Adams. Um I think the Jets need to have exploratory talks with the Raiders by February, either get the deal done or don't get it done and then you go into get Evans after that. Um I'm not as worried about Evans going into the cold, but I might be a little bit worried about that. It's a, it's a different environment that he's played in, but it's not the same as like when you got a dome guy that's going into something completely different. Um Evans' consistentness could be he will have games where he just dominates. He'll have other games where maybe not as much going on. But if you have a team like the Jets where you've got a Garrett Wilson on there, it doesn't matter because you've got other guys that can pick up the slack. You know, that that's one of the reasons why Tampa, I think, had a very, and still does, um, you know, can be very effective in that passing game because you have a guy like that and you've got other receivers who are good receivers on the team as well. And it, it's like a perfect fit. Uh, Calvin Ridley is your number three that's that's an intriguing one as well Um, you know you know he's talented Um, first year back kind of in a while you know you you, can he get even better or is this the peak of what he did and now we're actually going to decline Gabe Davis so Davis is going to come under the question of is Gabe Davis and Gabe not the Gabe Davis is having monster numbers now watch he's probably got like three touchdowns right now uh in the game as i'm recording this but uh you know gabe davis is one of these guys where someone is going to say he's a byproduct of the buffalo bills he's a byproduct of josh allen um he's a byproduct of playing with stefan diggs he's probably going to get downgraded because of the situation he's coming from i don't think he's going to get upgraded for it and i'd probably downgrade him too uh hollywood brown I'm not big on Hollywood Brown. I don't know if anyone will be. Um, You know, he's one of these guys that, you know, where I talked about Michael Pittman, you know, Marquise Brown probably fits more as like a... I almost feel like he's better suited to be like a number three deep threat versus anyone that you build anything around. Uh, Josh Reynolds... Yeah, it's solid. Whatever. Um, Tyler Boyd. We got Odell Beckham way down there. So, like now, here's the other one. And so here's T. Higgins. Now that this is an in- so this is an injury example. So Higgins, we have his value at um, five three. Higgins, obviously, if he's healthy, is way up there. He's probably like a seventeen value. He's going to be right up there with those top three players. So. You know, he he becomes an interesting player as well, Um, you know, just because he's got a lot of upside, assuming that the Bengals let him go. I don't know if the Bengals will or won't. Um, You know, they have a cap room to keep him. But, uh, you know, that'll be an interesting one, um, you know, to see what they do there. So he would really fit in that higher category. So this is a nice little group at the top if these guys don't get tagged. Um, I don't believe Mike Evans is going to get tagged, but you know if these other guys don't get tagged, um, you know it's a nice little group of uh, of players there, which is not typical, um, you know for for that position. Uh, and I think that's everybody. So that's just kind of like that that quick high level overview of free agency and um, you know some of the things that might be there, um, you know for you know next year when it comes to that so all right let me get into questions here let me man what has my son done with this i have no idea he's got something open and i don't want to mess it up it's some game flight simulator or something i'll really get in trouble if i somehow mess that up i always he's trying to download something on here um let's see here And it was whatever it was was something really big because it was taken forever. Um, let me take a look. I'm just going to see if I can open my email on the computer here. This way I just don't have to pull it up on the screen. Just bear with me for one minute here. Uh, I'll see if I got any podcast questions on email. I definitely got one today. Let me see if there's anything from before. If I can find anything easily from the last um, week or two, I'll, I'll touch on that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Bo has a question here. I don't think I... I think this is um, from before. I think another beer in a second. Um... Let's see. NFL will not indicate to the teams what the salary cap will be next season. I read this as a disagreement between the NFL and the NFLPA and how to return from COVID cap and how fast they implement the new TV deals into the cap. Um, what happens if the sides can't come to an agreement on how to proceed? Can the NFL decide the salary cap without an agreement, or what is the process? Well, that, that process is basically defined within this the collective bargaining agreement. Um, the stuff that goes on, kind of on the side between the NFL and the NFLPA, um, they, they do little side agreements on stuff. So, like, for COVID you know we, we came into these agreements where the uh you know the NFLPA agreed to suspend like performance based pay freeze the rookie pools uh, well the the rookie pools were going to drop um but get the rookie pools freeze and they would freeze them even when the cap went up um you know and kind of in return they they would uh allow the NFL to um You know, as long as they they put that minimum cap in, whatever it was, 180 million or whatever, they agreed. Then the following year that the cap would be, um, was it 198, 202, Uh, whatever the number was. I don't I don't know. Um, You know, you you kind of come to these agreements as to what the cap will be. But the the generalized formula for the stuff that's all spelled out in the CBA. So it really shouldn't be a question of NFL, NFL, NFLPA agreeing on something like this formula was decided on when they bargained, right? The NFLPA very specifically said, this is the formula that we want to calculate the stuff. Basically it was going to be that this is what we consider revenues and it's going to be more or less a 50, 50 split. Um, You know, I I forget what the numbers actually come out to be. If it's 48, 52, 49, 51, let's just call it 50, 50. Um, It's supposed to be that all revenue gets calculated in, um, you know, not that there's really anything else. So the, the other things which are, um, oh, what the heck does the NFL actually, I'm trying to think of their, their technical phrase that they, um, that they have for it. I, I just call them like adjustments or, you know, the, um, I don't know why I, I'm thinking up down said that, that that's not really what it is. Um, they, they have their own word that they, they use for, um, you know, for, for different kind of adjustments and stuff like that. But, um, you know, yeah, th- there's stuff that can come into play with that, that the two sides can agree on, but this really shouldn't be something to where the NFL is like, well, you know, we made this much revenue. So yeah, if we calculate it by the CBA, the salary cap next year should be 270 million and the NFLPA comes in and says, well, no, no, I don't, I don't like that. I'd rather have the salary cap at 242. Like what? Like that wouldn't make any sense. Um, nor would it really work the other way around to where the NFL would come in and say, well, we calculated the numbers and we think the salary cap next year is going to be 225. And the PA comes in and goes, well, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the salary cap has going to be 250. And the NFL says, sure. Why not? Um, so I think if there's a delay, um, you know, in, uh, in what they're doing, true up, that's what they always call their things their true ups or whatever. Um, I think if there is a delay, uh, I think number one, it might be some stuff that has to do with COVID still, like some of those benefits that the PA gave up and kind of deferred to 2023, 2024, 2025, or, you know, the creation of new pools, or whatever it is, um, might be going to them and saying, okay, how do you guys want to do this? Like, th- this is your this is your area. Like, how do you want to work with these numbers? Um, you know, that might be part of it. And the, the other thing might be, that they actually were not certain um, of certain monies that were going to come in or not come in. You know, they, they, there might be some, some delays with certain things that they just were um, maybe not 100% certain about. So I, I think that's probably why they, they didn't issue their um, guidance is that they may have some other things, um, you know, kind of on hand um you know and then see um you know what that would be all right let's see i think um this is from mark i don't think i answered this one either uh some time ago you said a team should spend in cash 105 percent or so of the cap every year i didn't believe that was sustainable so i created a spreadsheet to check What I found was if the salary cap goes up 10% every year, a team can spend 110% on the cap in cash every year. Uh, I assume three-year contracts, players made it all three years and eventually settled at about 8% of the cap is uh, proration, 18% on mortise and stays there. Is that basically what you were suggesting? P.S. If that doesn't sound right, I can show my work, but I figured you've already done it. So yeah, that's kind of what it is. Um, When you look at the way the salary cap grows and, you know, really, if, if you just look at um, historic trends over the course of the the, you know, the new CBA era, the 2011, really 2013 after. Um, when you start looking at those, those are kind of the numbers you come up with. So the 105 number that I came up with really was a, a number that would have some, just try to have some bite to um, the spending requirements that the uh, players association puts in. Um, you know, I, I forget what they're requiring, 90%, like, nobody does that. Um, I think what I did was, I think, going back, I think I calculated the numbers for every year, and came up with the fact that the NFL, on average, you know, most teams spend, might have been a little bit less than that, might have been like 103%, and, you know, that, you know, 105%, okay, you know, whatever, 103, we can round that up to 105, and, you know, teams can go there, and, Again, when you look at kind of what you're talking about here, uh, we're talking about, so our salary cap rises. So our investment in our old contracts relative to the salary cap goes down. And if we structure our contracts right, you know, we we keep increasing that cap space. This is the Philadelphia Eagles model um, that basically is following. You know, you can see that every year, you know, you can spend probably about what you're talking about you know i i when i was bringing up those numbers it was more like this should be the minimum threshold for nfl teams like it should not be that you got to spend 90 percent and we're high-fiving if we're the union it should be that okay this is the league already on average is over the salary cap like how do we make this meaningful to make these guys that are lagging spend up well they should be spending over the salary cap because salary cap's an accounting system It's not a cash system. It's an accounting system. So they should have their cash budgets set, all of them, over the cap if we're talking about a three-year period. You can't do it if it's on a single-year period. But if we're talking about three-year periods, four-year periods, absolutely you can. And, um, yeah, I think what you're talking about here, especially when you're talking about the the rookie cost-controlled contracts that are going to be in there and everything else, absolutely should be able to do that. So I I think that that is... um, You know that's something that they should be looking at, and um, you know in the future, you know you have a new new leader now for the Players Association. You know it's not hard to look through the numbers, Um, you know just the numbers that exist out there right now, and say, okay, if on average teams are spending this, why in the world should I be letting a team get away with spending ninety percent of the cap? why should I allow any one team to spend 92% of the cap if everybody else is already spending 103? Like, I want to bring spending up. I don't want to give them the ability to dictate their own spending. You know, it's like, what what was the purpose of negotiating all that stuff if there's no no bite to it? So, yeah. All right, uh, Jason. Um... From Jason, not for Jason. Well, it's for Jason as well. Uh, why would a team not draft a player but sign them as a UDFA? Vikings sign Ivan Pace as a UDFA, gave him a healthy base salary guarantee and twenty thousand dollars signing bonus. It was reported locally when signed and basically confirmed early in camp he would make the team. He has not been playing, or he has been playing well. If they knew he would be good, uh, why not draft him in the seventh round? The year for uh, base minimum in twenty twenty six has got to be less than an RFA tender that'll be required at that time. What am I missing here? Um. All right. So, a couple things to this. So let let me grab another drink. Um. Then I'll pop back down here. So just give me one second. I'm gonna pause this, and then I'll be back. All right. I'm back here. My daughter was asking if she could come and talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Yeah, she's uh very big fans of the Chiefs. Um, you know, just Mahomes and. Uh, <laughs> Mahomes and Kelsey and Taylor Swift. All right. Um, anyway, so going back to the question that was here. Uh, so, so first of all, when a player doesn't draft a player, um, you know, that they, they like the player, he's going to make the team, yada, 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 yada. A lot of times that's just lip service that's given by the team. All right. Um, if they didn't draft him, it means they liked somebody better than him. It means they like. A lot of guys better than him. Um, when you hear the local reporters or national reporters, whoever, um, or, you, you know, I don't consider myself a reporter, but, you know, someone like me that might say something like that, um, you know, come out and say that, uh, you know, well, he's going to make the team. Really, what you're looking at is that they gave him a base salary guarantee of 216000 which matches the salary of a practice squad player. So that tells me two things. Number one, their basic their, their basic estimation is that they're going to sign him and he's going to make a practice squad. Like they'll cut him and he'll be on the practice squad. Um, the other thing is that they're, they figured like he's talented enough to where at least another team is going to give him tryouts on the practice squad. And that salary is offset, like if he signs with another team or if he signs back with your own team. So if he has a 216 k guarantee and he stays on your practice squad the whole year or another team's practice squad the whole year, you get your $216,000 back. Um, You know, so you you don't owe it to him. You just owe him that $20,000 signing bonus. So really, that's all it says, is that they're willing to say, hey, listen, we will guarantee you a practice squad salary. It's not... 100% guaranteeing you a practice squad spot, but it's a practice squad salary, but their expectation is you're going to be on somebody's practice squad at the very least for the most of the year. Um, You know, and then that's what they do. But, you know, when when you look at, you know, even that guarantee is higher than a 7th rounder's guarantee, right? But, uh, you know, basically it just means that whomever they picked in the 7th round, they liked better. Regardless of how the guy's playing, and whatever they want to tell you now, or they, they may have even said at the time, um, you know, they liked somebody else better. Um, you know, if, if, when you see the crazy stuff like, oh, you know, we had a fourth round grade on that guy. We had a fifth round grade on him. And, you know, that that's why we gave him this big guarantee. And, you know, we really, really, really liked him. It's like, okay, you had that, but that means you liked your fifth rounder better than him, your sixth and your seventh. So... That tells me that, you know, you thought your sixth-round player also was a fifth-round talent. You thought your seventh-round player was also a fifth-round talent. Now this undrafted guy is also a fifth-round talent. So you you never, you know, there's usually always going to be a scout that likes a guy better than someone else. But when you you hear those things, most of the time, it's just saying stuff for the sake of saying stuff. I mean, it's just, um, yeah, I, I think those kind of things are just, you know, it is what it is. Um, The other thing that you mentioned here is about the RFA tender. So they changed the rules in the current CBA. So the the tenders are a little bit different. Uh, Before, you could get more if you were undrafted. And so at that point, it was, you know, advantageous to be undrafted, probably after the third or fourth round, because you had access to those higher tenders. Um, Now, excuse me, and I... I forget off the top of my head what the rules are for it, but you do have access to bigger tenders, um, you know, that that are there if you're you're a draft pick. So, you know, it it probably ends up being the same price either way. Uh, The only difference would be is if you were talking about someone who was like a quarterback, because that's the only position most likely, um, you know, that's going to get a first round tender, because I I don't think there's a a way to get a first round tender. Um, So that would be that. All right, let me see. I don't think there's any more emails, but that looks like my... I don't know what he's got on this thing. Uh, All right, there we go. No, I don't think I have any more... I don't think I have any more. Sorry if I missed anything from a while ago. I do see I have a judge's invite here from Tulane. Um, so let me just mention that real quick. I don't know if I'm going to get to go this year. Uh, I love that competition. I really do. I enjoy going. I enjoy getting to see all the judges um, who are there catching up with people. And I like interacting with all the students who really want to work in the NFL. Um, if you're a law student, I, I highly recommend this competition. Um, you know, the if you want to work in the NFL, it's very worthwhile. There's a lot of people that just do the competition because they like doing competitions. Um, that's different but for the people who really want to work in the NFL I love meeting with them giving them feedback and talking with them and everything else um, I just don't know if it's going to work out in my schedule I gotta really look into it but I, I'm hoping to go um, so but if you uh, if you are a law student and you have not um, looked into it and maybe it's too late but I, I would highly recommend um, you know you go to your school and you know you, you discuss with them the possibility of, um, you know, going to that competition if it's not too late. It's, um, it it might be too late because I I think they do a screening, um, now on it, but yeah, it's a terrific, um, terrific competition. Um, let's repost this, but I don't expect much on that, so... We'll do those questions in a second, so... Ah, here we go. Uh, Here's the Dan Marino video. My goodness. You could put together a highlight video, probably against the Jets, that would get him in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) This guy was just so good. Um, So this came. I, I don't know. I saw it on my timeline. Kids today just don't understand. They're showing these Dan Marino clips. As a little kid, you just knew this guy was so ridiculously special. Um... you know probably wrong era maybe the wrong team um you know couldn't get it going in the playoffs some of that was probably the team that he was on marino was so good i don't think that there is a i don't think there's a better quarterback in terms of just being able to drop back throw the ball avoid a pass rush um i don't think there's anyone better than marino I don't think there ever will be. There's guys who are better overall players. um, You know, that... You know, crunch time, whatever, have that second, third, fourth gear that they're able to drop into. Man, maybe this is a highlight film against the Jets. Um, Just ridiculous the way this guy played. Just ridiculous. If this team had even... Something remotely resembling a defense. Um, they would. They, they. At some point, they would have beaten an NFC team. I was uh, really young the year that they beat the Bears, and I only watched like maybe the first quarter of that game. Um, I remember being allowed to stay up to watch the beginning of that game, and it was so exciting. It felt like a Super Bowl. Because it was like the great Dan Marino versus this great Chicago Bears defense. And I remember getting up the next morning. And I think we were, uh, I'm pretty sure at the time we were in between homes. We were actually, we were staying with my grandparents at the time. We were uh, moving. And um, the home we were moving to was not ready yet. Um, And I can still remember waking up that next morning and finding out that the Dolphins won. And it was like shocking. And to this day, I will say that we were probably robbed of a really meaningful Super Bowl when the Dolphins kind of choked in the playoffs and um, the Patriots ended up going and we we got the, uh, you know, the New England, the Patriots and we or whatever that song was that was their version of the, their, their answer to the Super Bowl shuffle. Um yeah, you, you were robbed of, like, the real Super Bowl because you would have had the team that beat Chicago, you know, playing against them, and it was a team that matched up well with them. Why? Because of this guy. Because of Marino. Um, you know, if you're just watching, if you, you're seeing these clips, um, you know, on there, if you're following along with YouTube, just uh, absolutely amazing. Um, I've never met Marino, never seen him. Um i uh, met Elway before, seen Elway, and should really didn't really meet him. Meet him. Only um, well, I thing I remember it was my brother-in-law I met Dan Marino once for something, and all I remember was a picture. And I'm looking, I'm like, man, his hands are giant. That was the that was the one thing I took away from the picture was, um, you know, that he looked like he had giant hands. And uh, man, that guy was a, a special, special quarterback. Um, There is, there's nobody like him right now in the NFL, Um, really isn't, you know, the, he was just so far and above everybody else, Um, you know, it was just amazing. All right, let's take a look at questions here. All right, got our Twitter questions. Okay. Um, Are the financial, this is from COVID 19 are the financial benefits of having games exclusively on Peacock enough to justify the ill will it's causing? So I'm not really following along with any of the stuff. Uh, I'm assuming it's on in the local markets. So I think as long as something is on the local markets, I don't think you'll, you'll get the, um, overriding complaints that just become like a, uh, like a nightmare kind of scenario for the NFL. Um, at least I don't think you will. Um, anything is possible with it. Uh, I don't like that as kind of a, you know, a money grab for the league. But, you know, you, you've got to see that the way that stuff is going right now, people are moving away from cable. Um, that's just the way that things are going. And if you want to maintain the fact that you are getting ridiculous amounts of money uh in your television contracts you have to be open to the possibility of putting your major stuff on amazon netflix peacock youtube whatever it might be you need to bring those those people to the the table when it comes to bidding um I don't care what sports package it is. I don't care if it's the NFL. I don't care if it's the NBA. I don't care if it's professional wrestling. If you want to be able to to keep your revenue streams growing as cable dries up, you need to be able to go to these different streaming services. And in some ways, it's actually kind of funny because, you know, we talk about, well, the cable companies charge too much, and you got to cut the cord, you got to cut the cord, and, like, I don't want to spend all this money on cable anymore. And then at the end of the day, you end up spending – you know, $20 a month on Netflix, $20 a month on Hulu, $20 a month on Amazon. I don't know if these are the prices of stuff. But, you know, by the time you get done with it and your internet bill, you're probably spending just as much as on cable, um, you know, to, to get your high-speed internet and 8 million different streaming packages. Because the the streaming right now is not very streamlined. We've we've still got, um, you know, a lot of these different fragments out there. Um you know, that you're trying to bring in. But from the NFL's perspective, I I think they're looking at, you know, their Thursday deal with Amazon. Um, You know, the packages that the the games they still keep on NFL Network, um, which are kind of buried in there, to be honest. Um, You know, those kind of games, uh, the way that they keep them in there. Um, You know, this wild card game that's going to be on Peacock, uh, these different things. This is all trial runs for them. Um, this is all trial runs to see, okay, what kind of engagement are these platforms getting? Um, what kind of negative engagement are we getting as a league um, by putting these games on there? You know, so I think that, you know, it, it's a it's a necessary evil um, for the NFL. Uh, we don't have Peacock. Um, at least I don't think we do. Um Pretty sure we don't. <laughs> I guess never say never. Um, so you know, unless it's on a, a free tier, and may, maybe the maybe that game will be on some free tier because um, maybe Peacock is almost going to use that as like a uh, you know for this year, maybe maybe for them that that's a promotional vehicle to try to get people to sign up, um, you know, to their to their service, um, you know. But I I think. If you look at the long term for the NFL, I think it's probably worthwhile. Uh, short term, it's probably not. Uh, but I, I think long term, it probably is. Okay. Uh, bland tweets. Why are the Jets screwing around on Bryce Huff? Could he get a tag? Or they just decided McDonald is his replacement when he walks? So I think when they drafted McDonald, that was very clear that. Um, you know that he was going to be the replacement for Huff. I, I think that that's an absolute um, certainty. Um, you know they used Huff 40 percent of the time. I know stuff has gone up a little bit. Maybe he gets up to fifty percent. McDonald was considered raw talent, so he would fit into that same role, right? That uh, even though he's a first-round pick, at raw. You know, next year, kind of situational guy. Um, you know, maybe more after that. You know that you you would see more upside in him, but I I think that was what the Jets were um, were seeing there. Um, plans change, you know things change in the NFL, right? When the when the Jets drafted Kyle Wilson years and years and years ago um, as cornerback, you know that was very clear that that was to be someone that was either um, playing against. Um, not playing against, but, you know, he, he was coming in the year. I think the Jets traded for Antonio Cromartie. So it was like, okay, we're going to bring in Cromartie for a year and then he's going to go and Kyle Wilson's going to be our guy. I don't think that was ever a replacement for Darrell Rivas. Maybe he was going to give you a little leverage in contract talks or whatever. Um Obviously, Kyle Wilson never developed at all. And very quickly they decided that it was time to uh um, to go. Oh, wow. The site was referenced during the Chargers game. I'm not watching the game, so I just found out. That is really cool. Okay. Uh, I just got an email from someone about that, and uh, I'll have to reply back to them in a minute. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I had no idea that the uh, the site was going to get referenced to that. I would have actually watched instead of recording this. That's, that's hilarious. Uh, anyway, back to Huff. Um, you know, so... While the Jets may have thought something, I I think, you know, even though McDonald might have had a sack the other day or a half a sack or something like that. I mean, I think he's a lot rawer than they thought. Um, And Huff has been incredibly effective. Now, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen when teams get a little bit more used to the fact that Huff lines up like really, really wide. And maybe there's some ways to kind of play against that no matter how fast he might be um you know when he gets off the line but um you know the 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 thing is um you know oh, it sounds like Jacob is uh making his way down yes jacob what are you doing uh finishing up podcast how long is it uh give me another 20 minutes what give me another 20 minutes can i say sure you want to come downstairs sure all right, so we're having guest appearance from Jacob, which means he's going to bug me constantly to uh, get on his video games on the computer here in a minute. Um, so anyway, when it comes to Huff, you know plans change, right? So I think he absolutely could get a tag. Would it be a tag to trade him? It might be. Um, you know, but they they have to uh, they have to decide on that. In terms of screwing around on him, you know, at this point in time, yeah, why don't you sit there, Jake? I'll you can. All right, just turn the don't turn the phone up too much. See, this is this is the fun we get to deal with here. Um, you know, in terms of screwing around with him, if I'm Bryce Huff, I'm not signing a contract right now. Why would I sign a contract with two weeks left in the season, three weeks left in the season? I'm not that worried about an injury. You want to come and say hello? No? You don't want to come on? I have a camera going. You want to say hi? You sure? All right, doesn't want to say hi. Um, you know, so... At this point, I wouldn't talk about it as being a a screw around um, because you shouldn't be taking a deal. Like, all right, Cairo Santos signed an extension, whatever, he's a kicker. I get it, why he would do that. The couple of other guys that signed extensions, uh, you know, Austin Jackson, Delpit on the Browns. And I know he got hurt. So, I mean, that that ended up working out pretty well for him. But, uh, you know, there's very limited reason to be signing a deal this late in the process. You know, you should be um not doing that. You know, you you should be if you're a player, get to free agency. Don't sign a deal with 2 weeks left in the season unless the team is just going to blow you away with an offer. Um you know, Jets probably don't have a lot of cap room right at the at, at the moment. They have some, you know, to to do something, but uh I think that's really the reason why. So I'm not I wouldn't be, you know, if you're a big if you're a big Bryce Huff person, um you know, I wouldn't be too worried about it. But um you know you know you wait to see see where things stand February March I I think before you get too worried about it all right um, hopefully we're not picking up too much of Jacob's noise here uh, Beach Mora the Saints uh, you know so I talked about them before you know it's a it's it's a bad situation you know you you have to um, you know, you, you have to deal with the fact that you, you can't change your roster. Um, you know, you're you're basically stuck with this group. You know, you you may be able to add a player or two. You know, you, you do that all the time and you lose other players. And I, off the top of my head, I don't really know what their um, free agent situation is like. I don't think it's bad this year. But, you know, if you're not a good football team, you should be moving on, not moving forward with the same group. Um, you know, when you're in a position where you have to move forward with them and do things with the contracts where you might have to move forward with them for two years. And th- that's the thing when people go like, well, you know, you keep saying it's doom and gloom for the Saints, but every year they're signing people. Every year they get worse. They don't get better. They get worse. So I, I, I don't know, like, what what... What would make you think that what they're doing is good? That what they're doing is optimal? Because it's not. Uh, Tito, how do you feel about a second wave of inflation? Uh, Hopefully there won't be one. We've had enough price increases. Uh, Jake, what needs to happen for a consistent backup like Flacco, Minshew, Browning to get a starting gig for 2024? Uh, Some combination of desperation and proven competency. So... I don't see any of those guys getting a starting job next year. Um, Flacco, to me, is going to get a job as a backup, maybe in Cleveland. Um, unless they think that's going to be a con- uh, quarterback controversy, in which case maybe they won't do that. Um, you know, Minshew, I mean, th- th- this Minshew's too erratic. Um, Browning, no. Um, ooh. You know, you'd have to look at these teams that, you know, maybe like the Raiders, that just aren't going to be in a position to draft a quarterback and they need to throw somebody out there. But I don't know. You know, maybe if I had to rate those, you know, I'd say maybe you'd go with a Minshew. Uh, you know, I think Flacco, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad for Flacco. Um, you know, I gave Flacco a lot of, you know, crap through the years for his contracts, which justifiably so. Um, you know, they, they took the Ravens to the woodshed, um, you know, on a couple of those deals and, um, you know, subsequently to the Broncos, but you know, he's a, he's a solid player. It's not like he's not a solid player. He was never the best player in the league and he was paid to be the best player in the league. Um, but you know, we're paid close to it, but, uh. You know, he he was great. Hey, if if you were somebody who was a quarterback, he was great for the position because he raised the salaries for everybody. Um, but, you know, I'm glad. If he still wants to play football and he can still be somewhat effective and he was fine with the Jets, it's a flawed team, he was fine with them. Um, you know, that's all well and good. I think if you are dealing with a team like Joe Flacco, you are dealing with a situation where... Um, You know, maybe you're at the point where you're looking at guys and you're saying, okay, there are veteran quarterbacks that are staying in shape. We're telling them stay in shape. We'll bring them onto the practice squad halfway through the season if we're a competitive football team, and then let them decide from there, um, you know, what they want to do. So, you know, I kind of think that's more of a Flacco role in the future. And it's probably good for him, too. Let him let him go to a football team that competes. Let him get on a contract that gets him money for, you know, um, being a playoff contender. And, you know, to be honest, it's probably beneficial when the team has done all their preparation for other people, um, you know, that you're coming in midway through the season and giving a completely different look. You know, the Browns are a completely different look with Joe Flacco than they are with... Uh, you know, P.J. Walker or, or um, uh, who was the other kid they had playing? Uh, I don't know. I can't think of the name. Um, you know, just completely different. So, you know, I, I think that's more the the role on that is, you know, having guys that are veterans that maybe could be staying ready. Um, you know, that you just try to catch lightning in a bottle. Um, you know, the Jets probably should have brought Flacco back this year. They didn't. Um, I don't, I still don't know if they would have been any better, but it would have given them a little bit more hope, I think. Uh, Andy, is it possible for NFL teams to use deferred money in contracts? And if so, how would it be treated for salary cap purposes? So you can, nobody really does it. Um, so if you defer money, basically they use a present value calculation. There were a couple of times in the past, uh, like way, way, way past where that was done. Um, I think it could be done if there were signing bonus payments that were like, way late you're you're allowed to go I think a year out from when the extension kicks in I think that's what it is and then they're discounted in full um the same goes with salary I think the last player to take a deferred salary I feel like was Brett Favre um with Minnesota and I don't even remember the last one to, to take a a signing bonus number where the proration was impacted by the fact that it was a um Uh, it was a number that was deferred um, to where they they used a present value calculation. Um, Ian would know. Um, Off the top of my head, I'm not even sure. Uh, Michael Becker, what are the salary cap implications for the Chiefs if uh, Kelsey retires after this year? Next year, is that something they're able to begin planning for? Um, Let me look his numbers up. But, He's got a very affordable contract. I mean, there's nothing they're going to have to worry about cap-wise if he retires. So it's going to be the same as if he's cut, um, you know, pre-June 1. So um, next year it would only be 5 dead. So you'd be looking at 10-4 saved. The following year would be 2-5 dead, 17-2-5 saved. Now he may have, I don't recall, I don't see it in the notes here, but I know some of their contracts, I feel like, have this. And maybe he had this earlier on. Um, I feel like he's got one of these weird deals that has, like, these late season, um, you know, like a guarantee kicks in, in March. So th- there may have to be some timing involved. Um, but, yeah, they uh, they could, you know, they, they, it's not a problem for them salary cap-wise. Proud Black Matt, what kind of contract does Mayfield get? Apologies if you've already covered this. First-round pedigree still carries weight. I don't think his first-round pedigree carries much weight anymore. Um, he's been with enough teams, had enough failures to where I don't think teams look at him and say, okay, this is Baker Mayfield, first-round draft pick. I think they look at him right now and say, you know, he's Baker Mayfield and there's some potential there to be a starting quarterback. Um, I, I don't know what he'll get. I mean, if we assume he doesn't get franchise tagged, um, he's, you know, he's still young. So the question is, you know, if he's going to go back to Tampa and I, I know they don't have that investment in him, that draft investment, but the Giants front office didn't have a draft investment in Daniel Jones either. And Daniel Jones got 40. So, You know, I'm thinking Buccaneers would go 40-ish on that. Now, I think that you could also look at it from a different perspective, and I think you could look at this and say, all right, if we're going to play a little bit hardball here, we're going to be a little smart about it. Would Baker Mayfield get $40 million from another team in the NFL? My answer to that is no, he would not. So I would... I would try and approach it more like a Geno Smith situation, um, and I know Geno Smith's much older than Baker Mayfield, um, but I would do that, um, you know, rather than looking at the the forty million dollars a year. I would look at something that's more around thirty, with all kinds of incentives that can get it to forty. I would do the same with Jared Goff, um, you know, when you're Detroit, if you're you're looking to move forward there too, um, but. You know, I don't know. I, I'm going to guess franchise tag at this point. Um, I'm assuming that's open. I, I don't think he has a no tag. I, I'd have to look through my notes um, to see. But, you know, I, I guess that's probably, probably what will happen. And Bob, a Saints cap situation if they cut Carr and some other players. Plus, would you get pretty a long-term contract next year? Um, so Carr, you know, we, we I talked about the Saints before. There's no value in cutting Carr. There's no value in really cutting anybody. Um, so, you know, I I don't think that's really a, a question for them. Uh, Brock Purdy, you're talking about after next year, right? He's, this is only his second year. Yeah. So he's not extension eligible until 2024. So, yeah, I, I would do that. I, I would, um, based on the way that he's played, um, you know, end of last year, played most of this year, I would extend him after next season as long as things go the same. Because, you know, it, unless now, if you win a Super Bowl, it, we're we're obviously having a different conversation. But um, you know, it, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. So let let's go with the assumption San Francisco is not winning a Super Bowl this year. If you don't get to that Super Bowl, Bowl level and your Brock Purdy, that draft status works against you and the fact that you haven't made anything works against you i I don't know who represents him i don't i have no idea i don't know if he's already switched agencies to a big one i would imagine that you know usually when you're a late pick like that you're small agency and then everybody comes out to get you when you uh you know you jump up from there but you know if you're still small agency that agency is looking to get you a deal right away um you know because they want to make sure that they're getting paid right so um You know, if I'm, if I'm them, you know, I think that uh, I would look to extend him that year. He would have, um, you know, there would be some financial benefits to it for San Francisco um, simply because he, you know, would have that low salary. They'd have some time to uh, prorate that money out. And again, the the question kind of becomes, if you're a team, if you don't see a scenario where you're not going to extend the player, like, I'll use the Bears as an example. In my mind, I can have a million questions about Justin Fields. So I don't see any purpose in extending Justin Fields right now, even though he's going to want it after this year, because I control those rights through an option year, through a franchise one, through a franchise two. And at the moment, I, I kind of want to have that, that lifeline. Right, I want to have that emergency red button that I can push that says no more Justin Fields. I want to, you know. So if that's my situation, I don't want to extend the player. Looking at Purdy and the way that he plays in this offense, you've just signed long-term extensions with your general manager and your head coach. He's going to play within this system. Um, I personally don't believe the game manager label is even is right for him at this point. System, maybe everybody's in a system, but he's going to be in this system for a while. Um, You know, if someone is going to catch up with him, it's going to happen next year anyway before he's extension eligible. Um, So, you know, I I think... I think you, you, you take that all into account and say, if you're San Francisco, what scenario is there where you do not extend him? I personally don't think you can come up with one so you know at that point yeah you extend them because things are only going to get worse if you wait longer um so i, I think that's just kind of what you have to do oh i just got another email here all right let me uh jump to the email question and then i'll go back to twitter here with uh brian's question um, this is from Max. I'm sure you're also the opinion the Bears should take a quarterback with the first pick, likely be number one or two versus Carolina, uh, be it Carolina, but what do you believe they should do with Justin Fields? As a Bears fan, the second or third round pick he's likely returned doesn't seem worth it to me. I'd like to see them keep Fields, draft one, uh, and then spend next season figuring out which guy they think they should move forward with. Do you think my idea is crazy? Uh, no. Um, I think that, uh, your idea is perfect. You know, I kind of mentioned that before. Um, you know, I would do that. I, I do think that at this point, Justin Fields' trade value is a 2. I think that it could escalate to a 1. Maybe it would even be a 3 that could escalate to a 2. Like, a real easy escalation to a 2. Definite escalation to a 1, depending on the timing of what you did. Um, You know, I I think that's that's what you could do there. Um, But no, I would be perfectly fine with drafting the quarterback. at, At the worst, what? You let him sit for a year? And you give Justin Fields another year. I I don't think Justin Fields has done enough to warrant an extension. And I don't think Justin Fields has done enough to say, okay, we don't need to have Justin Fields anymore. You know, if you opt to go in that direction because you don't believe you can develop two quarterbacks, whatever, that's general manager, head coach, that's their uh, opinion, that's their perspective on it. Um, you know, they're, they're guys that are in that room. I'm not, I, my opinion is you're a professional athlete. You should be able to deal with competition, whatever, you know, if you, you can't, you can't, um, so I'm not, I'm not taking that into account for myself. Um, you know, but my opinion is you can have both guys there. And I think that long-term for the Bears, that makes the most sense because if you never play the rookie because Justin Fields is awesome that rookie is going to get you a number one probably a one plus because you already paid his contract Um, you know and then you go in there and you pay Justin Fields but you know if not let him play that fourth year he's still cheap you know give him an opportunity to start let him start if he starts and he plays great thumbs up extend him you know if he doesn't the team still ends up three, four, five, six wins You, you have somebody else that you can turn to so, you know, I, I think that is absolutely 100% the, the way that I would approach it. Um, I personally, and, and, you know, and I'm, I'm a big believer in getting that draft capital and everything else, but given the position that it is, and this would have, I, I probably would have said the same thing with Josh Rosen. Um, but let's say that I could get a second round pick for a uh, Justin Fields next year. Um and maybe something to where, you know, the next year it could jump to a one and I would give them back a two. Um my own opinion is the position itself is so valuable, I would rather chance completely losing that draft pick and you know, he'd be going to his fourth year, so it'd be completely losing it because if he if he busts you're not gonna franchise tag him, try and trade him. Um I'd be open to completely losing that draft pick because I, I, again, I don't think he's been bad enough to where you would say with 100% certainty, um, he's not a solution for me at quarterback. So, you know, I, I think that is, um, that is what I would say is that I, I think the, the right route is for them to stick with Justin Fields, um, you know, and, uh, also having a rookie on the team and happy holidays to you as well um... let's see, hey Jacob Jake, do you want to get me another beer? I'll show you which one it is, look at this, so now we've got some butler service here (laughs) so so it's one of these, this is the last, there's probably one more of these left it says two Xmas on it, if you can find it All right, so let's let's go back to the Twitter questions. Uh, Brian here. I don't think I'll get anything else Email. Um, uh, where's Bill Belichick next season? Can Tom Brady get him a job in Las Vegas? Does he get poached by L.A. or does he get one last go in New England? So I think it's time to move on in New England. I think it's time for both of them to move on. Um, I think New England needs to turn the page. Um, I think Belichick needs to turn the page. Um, Belichick is getting that knock on him that he is not, capable of winning without Tom Brady and that is not going to change next year even if they draft a quarterback it's going to take some time Um, so I I think that uh, for both sides it's probably best for them to to make a split Um, I don't think he would want to go to the Raiders I don't think the the structure of that team makes any sense Um, I think Belichick you know I think the Chargers make some sense for the stuff that I mentioned. If uh, you know, they make some of those moves, he can do stuff on it's defense. Find it anywhere. Oh, there, there's one that's there, Jake. Just take one more look. Where is it? Uh look on the bottom shelf. Uh, in the on the on the door. In the uh the In the drawer? No, the door. On top of it? No, on the the bottom of the door. Uh the fridge. Alright. I don't think my uh <laughs> I like think my little butler service is gonna work. I know we have the the beer fridge in the garage. I'm not sending them there, but I, I know there's one that's left in the uh, in the regular refrigerator upstairs. See this. why I need the beer fridge downstairs. Um, anyway, um you know, just looking at you know other teams that would make sense for Belichick, you know that would possibly open up. I mean, it's the Chargers. I, I'm I'm just looking at these these teams here and you know seeing what's going to open, not going to open. It's the Chargers that probably make the most sense, um, only because of the quarterback. So I I would think if your bill, um, if you if you have Belichick there, you're going to keep Keenan Allen at that point. Um, you're going to sign him to an extension, defer those cap numbers out. Um, you know, work with him. Thank you, Jacob. Um, you know, work with him a little bit. You're probably trading one of those defenders, even though, you know, he can do a lot with them. You know, he's going to trade one of those guys. Thanks, Jake. Want to say hi? No, still no hi. What? Okay, almost. I'm almost done. Um, you know, and, you know, you, you just assume that he can go in there keep one of those defenders, you know, whether it's Mack or Bosa, um or maybe get maybe get both of them to take pay cuts. Um, you know, go in there and sign a bunch of free agents, get good on that one side of the ball. And, you know, with Keenan may, maybe he goes in there, and maybe he he finds a way to make a trade for um man, I can't imagine the Raiders trading to the Chargers, you know, a Devonte Adams type but you know, bringing in one of those guys that we talked about before—the Pittmans, the Mike Evans, whatever—but um, yeah, it, to me, it's the it's the only spot that makes sense. Like, I don't know why he would go to a rebuilding job. Like, it it wouldn't make any sense to me to go to that. Um, but I, I don't I don't think it makes any sense to remain in New England because it's a rebuilding job. He failed at this last rebuilding job, and. You know, I I think it becomes damaging to a legacy to, you know, have all the questions about how can I be without Brady, you know, because I didn't do great with the the Browns and the Ravens. Like, I was okay at times, but nothing special. Um, You know, why would I, you know, why why would I want to go down that path again? Um, You know, it didn't work with Mac Jones. And, you know, just go somewhere else that's a little bit more ready-made. Uh, Michael, how much of a dump are the Saints in and how long would it take to get out? Um, 2026? I mean, they're in a bad spot. Rob, what cap moves can the new Chargers GM make to keep the team competitive? So, you know, I, I think when you get into it and you look at this, you know, I think basically because the guys don't have a lot of years left, um... You know, they're, they're all in the last year of their contracts. And I, I really don't want to use those void years and everything else. Um, I, I think the basic thing would be I'm extending, you know, on a short-term deal with maybe two void years, a player like Khalil Mack. Um, you know, you could save about 17, maybe a little bit less because you're probably giving him a little bit more of a bonus. Um, Joey Bosa, I would trade him. You know, Mike Williams. You're talking about a pay cut. Um, you know, you could save 15 million. Uh, that's bringing them down to the minimum. But let, let's say you'd save half of that. You'd save eight million or something like that. Lindsley, you're cutting. Um, you know, Lindsley, you're going to save nine million. Um, Keenan Allen on a cut. You're saving 23 one. But you know, if you do some kind of deal. Um, you know, or even if you just threw void years in there, you know, you could save 17. Um, I, I'd rather look at some kind of token extension, um, you know, to do that. Derwin James, you're going to restructure. Um, they probably, I don't know. I don't know if they should have done that deal should should not done that deal. Um. You know, but basically, it, it's looking at these big names on the roster and determining what you want to do with them. It's these these five players. Like they they put they kept all these guys this year. When Bo Boast is the only one they had to keep, right? It, his deal was basically and Mike Williams. Um, I don't remember. Was Lindsay guaranteed? Lindsay was probably guaranteed. He was probably just second year, right? Where's Corey Lindsley? Now oh, he's on IR. No, oh, NFI, whatever. It's on one of those reserve lists. Um, yeah, his salary was guaranteed. They didn't have a choice there either. Uh, but, you know, with a lot of these guys, you know, it was like they they made that option with a couple of them to just say, okay, we're just going to push it all to 2024. So you got a 38.5, a 36.6, a 32.4, um, 34.7. I mean, these are ridiculous. The... The amount of players that they have with cap numbers over thirty million, really over nineteen million. You know, Derwin James, nineteen eight, Justin Herbert, nineteen four. Um, you know, that that that's kind of crazy town when you when you think about it. So it's doing things with these contracts that bring those numbers way down. But, you know, I think everything's gotta be an extension. I, I know you can talk about void years and everything else, but you know, I don't, I don't want to defer more dead money on Khalil Mack to 2024. I sure as hell don't want to uh, put more to Joey Bosa to 2024. I mean, how many games has Bosa even played the last two years? Bosa's played nine this year, five the year before. He only played seven in 2018, 12. You know, I mean, it, it's just... You know, I've said this before with him. He's at the J.J. Watt stage, I think, of his career where, you know, he plays, he's effective, and you're like, oh, man, you know, Joey Bosa is great, he's great, he's great. He gives you nine games, he gives you eight games, seven games. You know, if he happens to give you 17 games, great, but you can't count on that. Um, (laughs) You know, Mike Williams obviously is not back on this contract, you know, maybe half. You know, so instead of saving 20, you save 10, you save 15. Um, you know, Lindsley is out, you know, Alan like that, that just made no sense what they did there. You know, it, it's like you, you have to be proactive towards the future. Um, you know, with what you do and sometimes being proactive is not just saying, well, we'll just restructure you. It's about, you know, getting into those contract decisions and contract squabbles sometimes. Um, kind of like they did with Eckler. I mean, they did it with him. Uh, but you know, to do the best for the organization, Thomas greetings, uh, Christmas greetings from Denmark. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Otani contract structure in MLB. Is it even possible to do similar contract structure with such a heavy backload in the NFL? Do we have any examples? Um, so you can defer salary, but not like that. You can't, I don't think you can defer it that far out, um, to where it runs beyond the contract. Um, I don't think anybody would go for that. It also, I don't think it would count towards your cash spending. So when we talk about doing that, I don't think it would work that way., um, you know, I, I'd have to go and look to see if there's any logical reason, um, you know, that a team would do that. Um, so I, I don't think so. Uh, but I, I actually don't know the the answer to that question if there is a a firm no on deferring that far out. But I do know you're allowed to defer salary. I don't think you can do annuities and stuff like the USFL used to do. Um, but I don't think you can defer... I, I'm not sure if you can defer that far out. Mo- most of the time, the deferrals are like, you know, instead of paying over 17 weeks... Well, now now it's, you know, over the 36-week period. Um, you know, over the 17 maybe would have been over you know, 34 weeks or something like that. So I don't think so. Uh, wildlife lover pot impossible to find uh, official rule in the CBA or NFL, um, operating to practice squad poaching recent years. All practice squad players can be poached from the end of the game until Tuesday. In effect, no protection for any practice squad. Then Tuesday team could protect four. uh, what is the rule for 2023? I don't think that rule exists anymore. Um, with the, the practice squad protections. I think that was a COVID thing. Um, I might be wrong on that. So, basically, what happens is that the NFL and the Players Association will agree to these things. They call them side letters. And sometimes you'll see them, usually it'll be like a Rappaport or Pelissero. occasionally Schefter, but usually it's more the NFL Network guys um, will actually get copies of the memos and put them on Twitter Um, that come in, you know, that basically be some memorandum for the Management Council that will basically be an amendment to the collective bargaining agreement. And it'll actually be in writing, you know, 10 years from now when there's a new CBA. But um, I think, you know, most of those rules all come out and you've got to search for those little memos if you can find them. Um, So... I think um, I think they got rid of the protecting four players rule. I, I don't think I remembered reading that. I know nobody has protected a player this year. I don't think anyone protected a player last year. So I think those were COVID rules. Um, you know, in terms of uh, poaching, I think that's written in the CBA. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, basically the rule is that player is free to sign pretty much anywhere unless it's with an opponent. Um, I think the opponent has to be signed within a certain period of time. You know, if it's that. How about those Chiefs? At what point in the offseason will the Chargers once again be predicted to win the AFC West? Um, I think that's going to be a while. Um, I would imagine, unless Belichick goes there, um, so... If Belichick goes there, it's going to be in February, so or January, so they'll be predicted to win in January. But if Belichick does not go there, I think it'll be a while before uh, the Chargers get that kind of, um, you know, love. All right, let's see if there's anything else here. I don't think so. I'm going to guess Diggs is having a bad game. <laughs> Zero chance Diggs is with the Bills next season. Oh, wait. There there might be some more questions here. Hold on. I saw some stuff about Diggs in here. Let's uh let me go to my profile page. Let me see if I missed anything that was in the podcast questions. Otherwise, maybe some people just tweeted something. Let's see. Um. Okay, so this I definitely didn't see. Maybe I just missed it. Infopocalypse. Will Chris Jones' market be less than Brett Veach's offer? He'll be 30, and although he's still playing well, isn't a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, I don't really have a guesstimate on this contract at the moment. Um, You know, I... Mm, I think the Chiefs will probably offer him a very competitive offer. Um, unless one of those teams with a lot of cap space and it would have to be a team like the bears that think they can probably compete right away. Um, you know, I don't think it would be, it shouldn't be Washington, right? Washington just got rid of their top pass rushers. Um, you know, shouldn't be any of the rebuilding teams. I I don't think the Raiders would go down that route again. Um, you know, certainly the Panthers wouldn't, um, you know, I, I think unless it was a team like Chicago, I, I can't imagine with the age that there's going to be a team that's going to be that crazy bullish, um, you know, on him. But, uh, you know, I I don't think he's going to get the Aaron Jones deal if that's what he's looking for, unless it's of the uh, Devontae Adams style to where you're, you're getting paid, you know, market... You know, on a top defensive tackle, it'd probably be like $24, twenty four, twenty five million a year, and you throw in some funny money years to, you know, make it thirty million a year. Um, you know, my guess is he'll be in the low twenties. Someone will give him an offer on like a three year deal. Um, you know, but I haven't really given it much thought. That's just more of a uh, quick one there, um, Connor. I don't think I saw this one either. Will any free agent wide receiver actually hit the market and be worth putting a, uh? on a playoff quality team. So I guess the, the questions where you look at that, I, I would imagine, I would imagine Mike Evans has got a hit, right. Um, you know, they, they, if they can tag him, I mean, then you can't tag Mayfield. So, you know, you'd have to extend Mayfield, which I think would kind of be a mistake. Um, you know, and then go and. uh, You know, tag Evans if you could do that. And I I even have to see what that tag number would be, um, you know, on him. I think they restructured his deal. So I don't think it's a, it's not a crazy number, is it? Let's see. Mike Evans' cap is 23.68. So it'd be 120% of that. Um, yeah, twenty. Eh, they're not going to tag him. So I mean, Mike Evans, and I, I think that's definitely a a someone who is uh, you know, capable of benefiting a playoff team. Um, you know, I mentioned before yeah, I got the numbers up here. Uh, T Higgins. You know, if he's available, you know that that's a player I think you'd look at. I think you look at a Calvin Ridley. Um, I I'm not sure where he fits in the hierarchy of things. I can't imagine. All things considered, that Pittman's going to be available, so I'm going to throw him as not available. Um, And then see. Uh, Let's see. Is there anyone else here that I missed? I don't think so. I'll just look on my notifications feed here. Packers offer Jordan Love an extension in the offseason. What do you think would be a good contract to give him? Hmm. I'd hold him to the contract he's got now, and then deal with the franchise tag process. Um, I—that's what I would do. Um, you know, otherwise, I mean, you're probably looking at forty to forty-five million a year. I know he's played really well in the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if this is even a podcast question. I know he's played uh, pretty well in the uh, you know the last couple of weeks here, but you know, you did that deal that you did for a reason. Um, so, you know, and to be honest, if you're Jordan Love, the Packers don't guarantee anything outside of that signing bonus anyway. So are you going to get a bigger guarantee out of it? Um, there's probably more legitimate money that, you know, is out there for you by, you know, waiting and, um, you know, trying to do a longer term deal with them or somebody else. Uh, let's see. I'm assuming that's a Dan Marino, 6,000 yards, 60 TDs, probably true. Hard questions out of the gate. I don't even know what that one was from. 0% chance Diggs is on the roster. All right. I think I've covered everything. So, all right. So that'll do it for me. So while I've missed a couple of weeks here, uh, just pulled up the Audacity feed there. Uh, looks like we recorded for about two and a half hours. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Jacob is uh, waiting to get on here, even though it's pretty late at night. Um, but I know he took a big nap. So he'll play video games for a little while before he heads to bed so um everybody have a great christmas if i'm not online next year for a podcast have a great new year's um you know hopefully you guys will be doing something pretty exciting uh for this year i will not be doing anything exciting but i will hopefully be having a couple of these um something at least uh next week during uh new year's maybe we'll do a QA on new year's who knows um See how that goes. We'll we'll have the the group of people not doing anything, uh, hanging out on uh, X and asking salary cap questions. So everybody have a great time, and uh, I will hopefully talk to you all again next week, and if not, I'll talk to you all again soon.